Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there. This is Martin Popoff, scribbler of 85 heavy metal books and host of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff podcast. When I need to get my kiss fix, I listen to Shout It Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus. Listen to us both on the Pantheon Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Check them out. Is this like satanic music? <laughs> Wait, dude, it's not cool enough. <clears throat> if you play this backwards, it says, this sucks. <laughs> These guys are from like Austria or something. Yeah. <laughs> Like that crocodile dude. That outback. <laughs> you said outback. <laughs> hey, butthead, check this out. A dingo took your baby. <laughs> you said dingo. <laughs> what if a dingo bit off your dingo? <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> hey, Beavis. Let's rock. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Shout It Out Loudcast. Don't turn your radio dial. You're in the right place because the album review crew is back with episode number 46. We're calling this one What We Do, What We Do Here is Review Baby Review. So stay tuned right here because the devil inside us wants to do a sex dance. We will deliberate, debate, aerate liberate and most likely serrate and since this is zeus's album how will tom and i feel about it well sometimes you kick and sometimes you get kicked tommy and zeus how are you wow great intro as always i'm doing great it's uh it's right around halloween i'm drinking my twix flavored coffee which is a uh, nice little treat here for us. So, what are you, uh, five? Yes, I am five. <laughs> Twix is the greatest candy bar. Just like George Costanza, it's the only one with the cookie crunch. All right. I thought it was like the, the cereal flavor. No. No. That's Sunny with the cereal. All right. Wait, you guys don't drink the cereal milk? Dude, that's uh, the best. Oh, no, I do. Oh, I do. Oh, it's hell like, yeah. It's like, dude, un- I have, dude, I have, uh, undrink I, slurp. I have those I have those cereal bowls with the built-in straw in them. Me too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Disgusting. Coming Blah. up ne- coming up next on two guys in a bowl. 
Sonny, I was shocked that you didn't put something in there about Mystify. Why I picked I, this album? Why Zeus picked this album? We are Mystify. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought I that would come to, in there. I was going to, but then the whole sometimes you kick, sometimes you get kicked. Uh, that that's a good there. one. That's a good one. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we're back, and uh, it's it's my pick this month. So. Uh, we're going uh, going to tip our hat to all our Australian friends out there. Yes, this one's for yes. you. But before we do that, we got to go back and torture ourselves and talk about trash a little more from last month. We did mm-hmm. a little a little poll. Tom, did we do the poll? This I, I always ask you, and you're like, no, we only we, forgot, only forgot it once. We only forgot it once, and it was like three years ago for Winger. I think I think that was the one we forgot. Uh, I feel so, like no, yeah. I feel, uh, on the honor of Halloween, Tom, it's like it only happened once. Yeah, exactly. A momentary lapse in muscular, con- <laughs> uh, what's he say? Coordination. 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 <laughs> it was three years ago. <laughs> That's what you're going to say to me. That's it. It was three years ago. I forgot one ball. You won't let it go. It was a dark night three years ago. <laughs> I still think it was twice. <laughs> You do? What do you think? I know for a fact I, it was Winger. I, I know, know it was Winger, I still too. feel like it was twice. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> I just, I, you might. I don't know. I. I. I maybe. I. I. I only remember one, but that's okay. But anyway, so so the poll we did this time was obviously for Alice Cooper. Trash. Four songs: Spark in the Dark, Bed of Nails, Poison, and I'm Your Gun. Four just Hall of Fame <laughs> gems of just lyrical prowess. Poison, no surprise. Runs away 66%, Bed of Nails 23%, Spark in the Dark 10 I don't know how Um Your Gun even got one vote, but it got 2%. Best That's song about, on the album. Well, I was one of the votes. No. And sorry, it wasn't about Reaganomics. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. Voted uh, for Under the Gun. Don't, <laughs> under the Gun. Under the Gun. Yeah, that's better. And that's not even good. <laughs> Uh, our, our buddy Tony, who we always forget to say, does our intro music oh, for album review. Him. Okay, well, well, he chimes in. He says, "I went with Poison, very well written song, but I've been singing House of Fire all day." Um, wait, Scott's- wait, 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 wait. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Isn't, he, isn't he on like some sort of like cruise right now? Yeah, Tony. Yeah, but dude, he's on a cruise every month. That's all he does is go on cruise. He's living his best life right now. Yeah, that fucking guy. He's on vacation a lot, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's all he does. And barely works. <laughs> Bum. <laughs> hey, Tony, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> uh, Scott says, any truth that you will be renaming your rock hard segment to what pulls my trigger and makes me bigger? No. <laughs> and then I'm lots of fun. I like it. Not true. I like uh, that, too. King Kusano says, I picked poison because fuck spark in the dark. V- very aggressive opinion there i don't know if that's called for but that's okay nowhere fan says poison but i've never heard any of the others and spark in the dark went straight onto my spotify list great episode guys i love desmond child but yeah a whole album at once is a little too much sugar and the bed of nails chorus is you give love a bad name yes half that album is another album we said that um, let's see what people think of this album in general. I don't remember ow 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 in You Give Love a Bad Name. <laughs> listen Although again. it should be in there since I've been married twice. It should L- be in there. But listen listen again. <laughs> uh let's see. 
David White says, good album, but I'm not a fan of working with outside songwriters. Well, that's kind of a common thing. That happens a lot. Jim Riley says, I saw Alice Cooper license plates in Phoenix, Arizona. They look cool. And he actually put up a picture. That can't be real, but I don't know. It looks like it oh, is. It probably is. Doesn't he live there? I mean, he's always golfing there. Yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, Twisted Kister says, Zeus nailed the fever comparison with I'm Your Gun. I immediately thought Aerosmith, but I couldn't think of a song. Both one song was worse than the other. God. Ugh. Dizzy Dean's picket fence teeth chimes in for the first time in a while. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. This maniac's in love with poo knee. Oh, God. And he says, come on, Sonny Pooty. Oh, God. Oh, and then uh, Ar- Arnold just simply says, horrible album. <laughs> That's what we got for Twitter. <laughs> uh, on the Book of Face, uh, Jeff, don't call me Ronnie James Dio Kinsley says, yeah, Sonny Pooty. Russ Tozer says, trash, while not horrible, sounds dated to me. Desmond Child is an uh, is an awesome songwriter, but the Bon Jovi style formula on many of the songs kind of makes me want to puke at this point. Some hair metal albums still stand up, but many just sound contrived. It worked for Alice at the time, so what do I know? Michael Bruce, this album did absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> it was indeed trash compared to Raise Your Fist and Yell. In fact, Raise Your Fist and Yell was his last good album in my opinion michael murphy i wish one of those earworms you guys always talk about could have been burrowed into my ear canal and eaten my fucking eardrums (laughs) so i didn't have to listen to this abomination (laughs) a shameful effort by an otherwise good artist building a house of fire baby building it with our love fucking yuck 60 miles down. This was such a funny episode. I love how Sonny sounds so passionate talking about some of these songs and breaks them down with so much detail. And then it goes to Tom who basically starts off by taking a big dump over <laughs> everything that he just said. All I can say is trash that it's appropriately titled Keep Kicking Ass Guys. <laughs> oh, God. Well, that's why the three of us coexist on this show here. All right, over on Loudcaster's group, uh, Lucas Dube put a fucking gif of Carlton dancing. Oh, there's a lot of Carlton in that. Sunny dancing to Spark in the Dark. Oh, boy. Save that gif for uh, this episode. Yeah. Because <laughs> I got that same oh, dance God. for Guns in the Sky. This is not how I want to spend my Sunday morning. Talk about All In Excess right. watching Sunny do the Carlton dance. God, Paul Heider. All these people out there are going to try to tell me that grunge killed hair metal and that Nirvana killed hair metal. This fucking stupidity <laughs> is what killed hair metal. All through this episode, all I can think of how to sum up what I was feeling and listening to this episode. I think Tom summed it up perfectly. I'm not a fan of grunge, as I've noted. Fan- I wasn't a fan of this crap either. Guns and Roses saved my kind of hard rock metal and every band being pushed to pop polish at this time, and it sucked. Even GNR lost their edge a couple of years in. That's why I can't get on board with a lot of the new pop metal bands. They all have the edge of a butter knife. Formulaic, lacquered shite. Nice. That's good analysis. Love Paul. 
And butter knife is fine. Good steak you can cut with a butter knife. If you can cut a steak with a butter knife, it's probably not cooked that well. But that's it's, okay because I, I like well, I like my like it I like my no 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 I was gonna say that which actually isn't a problem because I like my steak kind of bloody so yeah yeah nasty I'm not a fucking vampire that's right baby all right the great Joe Decker I think Tom Azu said it best it's not bad it's just disposable like all other junk hair bands that showed up out of nowhere in the late eighties Desmond did a great job of shining up this turd and making a bunch of below average song. Sound radio friendly, but a turd is still a turd. <laughs> All right. Over on Instagram. Heavy mail. This album makes play deep by the outfield look like Sergeant Peppers. Oh God almighty. <laughs> he, he loves the outfield. Oh God, I Why? get over it. Exactly. Because they have two good songs. Uh, I label it at five. Oh, like, five. Really? Okay. Wow. Uh, okay. Okay. A singer has a fucking, uh, Steffi Graf haircut and fucking huge buck teeth. <laughs> that is a very descriptive <laughs> way to put it. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't sound very manly either. Uh, no. Yeah. It's weird. a, it's a weird tone. Yeah. He looks like a fucking beaver with a fucking. <laughs> He's got a face face for a podcast with a. uh, All right. Over on YouTube. Thon is 23. Great review, guys. Must say, Trash is a solid album. But I must say, I prefer Raise Your Fist and Constrictor. But nevertheless, a solid album sounds better alive, especially Bed of Nails. Respect, he's a gentleman. I met him on tour. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met in industry. No one's ever said anything negative about Alice Cooper. All I hear is positive things. Oh, I, yeah. I love, I, I actually, I love listening to his interviews. He was on Eddie Trunk not long ago. I, I mean, I don't, I don't not like Alice Cooper. Just, he's a likable guy. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Well yeah. spoken. Yeah. yeah. He would have been part of that whole, the trials that, uh, you know, Blackie was in and, D was in. Oh yeah, shit. yeah. He would have been there, but he was. I think he was still recovering in like the institution or whatever. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Emmanuel Martin Jr. By growing up in the '80s, this is my Alice Cooper, uh, as well of '80s Kiss and other big names that are. I think Desmond Child's contributions made the album even better. I know hardcore fans despise the commercial eras of '70s acts, but I don't have any problem with that. Well said, my friend. Mm-hmm. And that's what I got, Tom. And surprisingly, apparently the people who like Alice Cooper trash don't know how to send any emails because we don't have any to read. <laughs> or they sent them to the MySpace account. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, nice little short bit of feedback here so we can get into in excess. Yeah, short little feedback. We're about 15, 20 minutes in. All right. Yeah, no, that's short for us. All right. So what we usually do is... Uh, Whoever's pick it is talks a little bit how they got into the album and uh, gets us started. So in excess kick. Yep. Um, I think I am like everybody else in that era that grew up and is about our same age group. MTV, right? I know. Listen, like thieves, what you want. Those videos had come out. So I, I heard already of what in excess is. And then when need you tonight hit MTV, it just kind of, fucking exploded thought nothing of it thought it's a good song okay great but then when devil inside and new sensation were the next two songs i had to buy this album so i get the album i play it during that time period 
I really liked it. And like a lot of albums, I find that uh, some of these albums are, you know, are, are top heavy and they're um, not as consistent as you remember them, but you love them for certain tracks. So In Excess is just one of those. And it's very similar to me. Uh, in Excess's kick is very similar to me to like Automatic for the People for me, whereas I, I like the band. But there's just one album of theirs that just kind of goes beyond what they're normally capable of or that you really get into and really like. This is the one for me. So I I got into this, and I think it's just one time that the band just hit it out of the park. I I played it. We all know the songs. We all heard the saw the videos. You couldn't have been a, a, a music fan and not seen any of this stuff. I wanted to change it up a little bit. I've loved this album. Tip of the hat to our Australian friends. And one of the things I have to say is I fucking love Michael Hutchins. I I just think he is super fucking cool. And what would really be called a real rock star. Like, and we don't have those any day anymore. I think he was just a rock star. Someone of that era. Someone that I look back on and fondly remember. And just be that fucking guy is cool. He doesn't need to be playing hardcore heavy metal or anything like that. He's just fucking cool. And the band with all their quirkiness was just interesting to me. Interesting to look at, interesting to hear. I I found it really just a different type of pop band for that era. And someone that I could like and not feel fucking embarrassed by. I, I really enjoyed the album and I wanted to pick out something different and go a little bit off the board. So I brought up In Excess Kick. Yeah, for me, I got into In Excess even earlier than that. I, I mean, I was an MTV nerd right from the get-go. So I remember seeing the video for uh, the one thing off of Shabu Shaba way back. It was like that first song. Like, this fucking band is awesome. And then Listen Like Thieves got popular. Yeah. And then I have I have very, very, very vivid memories of the Kick album. Came out a month after I, we started high school, Zeus. Me and you came out in October of 87. And, I mean, this was a really interesting time in my life as a music fan because i was obsessed with hair metal i love 80s pop and i really love the new wave stuff like the techno new wave you know like duran duran and human league and like all those bands that were on mtv pop music but like kind of like just like you said quirky and in excess even in retrospect now at the time i don't think we knew it but listening to this album 35 years later they were quirky. They were like, they had like some funk influence, some pop, some pop, some R&B, some dance, like all, they were all over the place. And I think at the time, I don't think people really looked at that. I think they just looked at them as like a, a pop band that was a little bit different, you know, and they were very like new wave, like almost like alt new wave, the, their appearances, the musics that, that play the instrumentation. So I, I, this album was huge for me. I remember li- just getting the CD and just listening to it nonstop. And of course you couldn't escape the videos. And I will absolutely agree with you. Michael Hutchins carries this fucking band. They're super talented songwriters. They know how to write a hook, but he's a good looking guy. Incredible vocals, that wild long mane of hair, incredible front man, super active stage presence. And I just think in excess is one of those bands that if you're around our age, even if you really weren't a fan of the band, you just couldn't avoid them. And I think it was really interesting for me. We'll get into it. It was interesting for me because I don't think I've listened to this album 
in probably like 30 years, unless like a song comes up on shuffle, but to spend time with like the deep cuts that I haven't heard probably since like high school, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting album to see how it kind of evolves, you know, 35 years later as to where it was. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to talk about it all. One thing I just want to bring up. Yeah. Do you remember that time period you talked about freshman yeah. year in high school? And stuff? Oh yeah. Yeah. You just bought music if you liked it. Yep. It wasn't like, oh, I can only buy this type of music like it is now. Where everything is fucking in a category. It was yep. just like, all right, I'll buy in excess. All right. Um, or buy, I'll buy str- I'll buy straight out of Compton by NWA, which I. Or, yeah. yep. yep. Or I'll buy fucking Prince's latest album. Yep. Or then I'll go buy this new band Guns N' Roses. What are they all about? Like you could do that. And it wasn't a bad idea. Yep. And it was all over the radio. Yep. You could hear kick. You could hear Sweet Child of Mine. You could hear fucking Cream. <laughs> like all sports yeah, right. and shit. You could hear, yeah. And that's what was yep. fun about it. Sonny. All right. I feel like I have to start here. So I'll start here. I love Australia. I wish to visit someday. But I think koala bears are cuddly. And I love kangaroos. I, I think I have to start there because. At the end of this, people may not like me much anymore. Well, less than they do already. All right. Uh, how I got in, dude, I'm an MTV kid. So what you need, need you tonight, hard to get away from. I'm finishing off my first year junior college at this point, And the girlfriend at the time wanted to see him live. So I'm like, all right. So I, I think it was, uh, they must have played the shoreline, I'm thinking. But it was June of 88. The opener, Steel. Pulse, do you remember oh, Steel Pulse? Yeah, weren't they like a like a like a reggae style band? Reggae band, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, girlfriends enjoying the show. We're like eight or nine songs in, I remember, and I'm like, okay, there's like one song that semi impressed me so far, and I'm like, I think we should get the fuck out of here. So, I was about to tap her on the shoulder, said, "We should go," and I'm thinking, am I going to get laid if we go right now? Like that probably is not going to work. And then the next couple of songs, like, oh, wait a second. Well, we should stick around. So they backloaded all their hits on the set list. I went back and got the set list. Let me tell you what the first nine songs were. Oh, God. Kick, Guns in the Sky, Tiny Daggers, Mystify, The Loved One, Original Sin, Shine Like It Does, Wildlife, and Listen Like Thieves. You have to be an Uber fan to really know that's seven that's of a, those nine that, songs. that's a that's a that's pretty bad to not sprinkle in a hit in the third or fourth song yeah they yeah. played this album like yeah like like yeah. bands don't do anymore they put out an album i'm we're gonna play the songs but to not yeah. play devil inside or new sensation within the Early. first three or four songs that's risky yeah. but go ahead yeah. yeah yeah so i stayed for the show it was good you're right michael hutchins rock star i mean if there's i mean i I am hetero 100%, but if there was going to be a time where I was not, Michael Hutchins would have been on the list. The guy's sexy. That's yeah. just all there is to it, right? Agreed. So, yep. Um, I was a huge Doors fan already, so things I had seen in Jim Morrison kind of I saw in him, so mm-hmm. he kind of seemed like this, This uh, I guess, generation's Jim Morrison. Um, I went and bought a Kick. Later on, I bought X, and I've got the greatest hits, and I think those are the only three things I own. Have I last time I heard this front to back full album? Probably the day I bought it. After the day I bought it, you know, you hear certain songs all the time that you like. There might be one or two deep cuts, but besides that, you, uh, you know, In Excess wasn't really anything I went back to. 
until Rockstar in Excess came. And then I'm like, oh yeah, Man, I haven't listened to I haven't listened to in Excess in a while. And then that kind of got me back into listening to some of the other songs. So that's my thing with in Excess. Yeah, once Kick, uh, it's it's weird because I hate to sound I hate to when we talk about music, it, 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 this sounds like pretentious, but it's it's just I like I I outgrew in Excess. It's it's not that I did, it, it just to me their style was very very of the time. And once that time for me personally passed, I just never went back to listen to In Excess. To me, they were like they were they were they were like an '80s new wave band. And '80s new wave is no longer. If I want to listen to them on satellite radio or for some nostalgia, I will. Which is why I think it'll be interesting to talk about these songs and see how they translate in 2023. But um, this will this will be good. I like when people pick albums like this for ARC. Yeah. So for me, like. In excess wouldn't be, I don't know, top 50 maybe bands for me. Not even. Yeah. The album. And sometimes yeah. a band just gets all the right pieces and puts yep. it all together. And it's like an actor who's been in shitty movies or shitty stuff. The guy from fucking uh, uh, Scarface and Amadeus. He just got that one role where he won the Academy Award and has been in a million other shit projects. And he just put it together for that one role. Like mm-hmm. now, I like the next album that came out a little later because they had Disappear, they had um, uh, Suicide Blonde. I like those two songs, but I never bought anything afterwards. I didn't buy anything prior to Kick really either. So again, this album though is very nostalgic for me, and uh, it was the whole reason I wanted to pick this is because this specific album from In Excess stands out. So um, let's go to the album cover itself. Now, you want to talk about Dated. What do you guys think? Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store or I could make one of my new factor meals. (laughs) Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. 
I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, (laughs) oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Well, it's it's very dated, but it's also I know these guys are like Australian, um, but this is very like this is very Euro New Wave 80s right here, like with the outfits, the haircuts, the glasses. Even the way they're standing and posing, it's just it's super dated, like super dated to the point where it's like kind of like uncomfortable to look at. <laughs> <laughs> and and here's the interesting thing. I'll say this. Uh, I know that they have like I know that it's they kind of have like half of Michael Hutchins's face and they kind of have him like with that sexy, you know, side Ooh. side. Yeah, like the Ooh. side glare. But I really think, in my opinion, it was a massive mistake to not have to not have him be the forefront instead of that stupid fucking skateboard <laughs> or that Thomas Dolby wannabe with the sunglasses on. Michael Hutchins should have been the, the focus of that album cover. You mean Buddy Holly? <laughs> the fucking guy <laughs> yeah, with the Buddy yeah, Holly? Yeah, yeah, that guy, and and then uh, you know the, the guy from Just Jack, Will and Grace, or whatever, in the squatting <laughs> position with his strength. That's sweater. the drummer. I fucking love that guy. He's so full of character. I love him. And then they got the one of the guitarists has got a full on Yarmir Yager mullet. Yo, 
yes. Fucking horrendous. I and will then, say I I love Michael Hutchins' leather jacket. That even the collar and everything. He, he yeah, looks badass, yeah. but move him over and give him like yeah. three quarters of the cover. Three well, straight the, guys are like, give us some more much <laughs> Michael Hutchins. Yeah. Well, because the guy was some guy, the guy was a friggin' sexy ass rock star. You gotta call it the way yeah. you see it. And then it. the other guy, the guy that writes most of the music with him, Andrew yeah. Ferris, he's he, yes. like some of the videos he has like a fucking what's the little guy, the fat guy from fucking uh the little rascal spanky hat. He's got like a spanky yes. hat on. Yes. And I'm yes. like, that is so uncool. But that's why I like their videos in this band. They're all like quirky. There's always something fucked up about one of them in there. But anyways, I'm sorry. Sonny, go ahead. All right. So their story stalled us. Okay. So Nick Egan is the one who came up with all this shit. And he had done other um, albums and album art. Because he was kind of like in the, into European fashion and he was an artiste. So that's why yep. it's dated because it's very of the time fashion. Yep. Okay. Yep. Now, if anybody's looking at the album cover, just so we're all talking the same thing, left to right. So the dude with a guitar in his hand and the boots, that's Tim Ferriss. Yep. The guy who looks like he's ready to go to the, you know, the local car mechanic shop. That's actually Gary Beers, the bassist. Yep. The guy who's pointing out, you, you know, pointing at you. I see you. Um, that's Andrew Forrest, uh, Ferris. You got Kirk Pingilly who does the bass and guitar. That's to do with the sunglasses and the little, the gun, uh, belt buckle. He's the sax yeah. guy. Yeah. He's the sax guy. The guy who needs to be held. That's the drummer, um, <laughs> <laughs> hugging himself. And then Hutchins kind of looking over going, what the fuck is going on? So, um, so who's, who's on the skateboard and whose random arm is hanging down below? Those are both Michael. Okay. So that's Michael's hand and arm because you see that in one of the videos. Oh, that's right. That's that's right. Yep. And the skateboard is how he used to get to the recording studio every day. That's right. Yep. So that's his skateboard. Yep. Now notice the NXS has stars and it's red, white, and blue because they were trying to get the US market. Smart. Well, they so sure was, they certainly got the US market. Holy shit. The reason his face is half cut off, Nick Egan in an interview spent like 30 minutes describing how he had to negotiate with every band member and where they would be standing, whether their face would be sideways or full, whether they would be in the front part of the gatefold, the back part of the gatefold, because he knew the CD cover was going to, right? So it's like, how do you get Hutchins to be the cover without him being the cover? And this was the way he could do it by making everybody happy. It's true. I mean, he is in the forefront. But I feel like the guy with the friggin' sunglasses and the gun belt buckle takes up way too much space on the album cover. <laughs> Just way, way too much space. Just, it's, when, but when you see him, you're like, oh, that's the guy from NXS. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Or it's Buddy Holly from the fucking grave. But like yeah, you know these people because they're all so quirky and yeah, like have these weird appearances, you know? Yeah, or it's like a dime store, you know, Thomas Dolby. You just waiting for him to just go science. science. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he he's the and one Nick that does said, the football games with fucking Tom Ake, uh, uh with uh Aiken. Oh, Joe Aiken. Joe Buck. Yeah. Uh, oh, Joe, Joe Buck. this is Joe yeah. Buck. Science. <laughs> Egan said he tried some stuff with all six on the front cover. He said he just he couldn't make it work. Yeah, well, six six people that that's that's a lot to get like a, a group photo in there that's going to be be good. Actually, but, now that I, mean, I think about a, it, it's it, not it, bad. I I like the idea. Like you have to open it up to see the rest of them. 
Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's a catchy. I mean, it's a catchy cover. I like how it has the logo in the middle with the stars and the colors and the white, yeah. the, the you know, the plain white background. It, I mean, it, it is eye catching and it is kind of iconic for the era. I thought the other weird thing was, and Zeus, maybe I'm wrong, but the way the lyrics are written, sideways, up and down, yeah, I've man. never it's seen annoying. that in a CD jacket. No, it's annoying as fuck because I can't read this. This is like you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> it's just gibberish. It looks like it's just not. It's you not how the human mind reads. Though, oh yeah, that's right? that's crazy. Yeah, and right, they, right. They also have the silhouette in the back with all the song titles of the on the CD. I don't know if yeah, I don't have the. So album. that was probably. I wonder if that was their attempt at the what the original album cover was going to be with the six Possibly. guys. I wonder if that, I wonder if that they like. Oh, let's make this the back cover. Could be. Now, the other interesting thing about the album in itself, the cover or whatever, but I don't know if it's part of the album, they wanted to name it like under four letters, like NXS, Kick. And they put it with the band, and that's why you see it just underneath the title. And they wanted a four-letter word for the for the title. Strange, but they, they put that thought together to make it like, that's going to be our title. Oh, yeah, to make yeah, to make... Yeah, to make it like equal with the with the graphics for the image of the yeah. album. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So what we do next is we get into some of the facts. So in excess, the album came out October nineteenth, nineteen eighty seven. It's produced by Chris Thomas, who's had his hand in working with like the Beatles, Pink Floyd, the Sex Pistols. He's produced albums all the way down. You got into like Elton John. He also produced. That horrendous. And I wish we could just, just to describe it, if we ever did one song, All for Love, that fucking Rod Stewart sting. <laughs> Who's the other idiot with it? Brian Adams song. You remember oh, that yeah. fucking yep. monstrosity? Yep. He produced that thing. Anyways, the, uh, the album went to number three in the US. It's gone platinum six times. It went to number one, Australia, Canada, New Zealand. Uh, nine in UK spent 22 weeks in the uh, top 10, four top 10 singles, sold 20 million albums worldwide as of 2012. And it's number two for Rolling Stone's greatest Australian album of all time. Now, I wonder what number one is. It should probably be Back in Black. Probably. Uh, no way. It's probably some Jimmy Barnes album. It's probably <laughs> not Back in Black. Who the fuck is Jimmy Barnes? Exactly. <laughs> oh, okay, good. I'm glad I don't know who that is. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it's in excess's sixth studio album. Obviously, they're most successful. And then the, the keyboard, not the keyboard, the guitarist, saxophone guy, Kirk Pengilly, said they wanted an album where all the songs could possibly sound like singles. The songs were mostly written by, I guess they used to split it up, but this time they just basically, Andrew Ferris and Michael Hutchins went off to the side, and they wrote most of the songs on this. Uh, that's the guy that does the keyboard and guitar and has the spanky hat. Uh, uh, be- the band was excited coming off the success they just had through, like, Listen Like Thieves. The uh, president of the label, when he first heard the album, hated it and said he would give them a million dollars if they go back and fucking change it. And they didn't do it. Thank God. The band's manager secretly had a plan, which he would try to push need you tonight to college radio and get them off on a flying start. It obviously worked. Uh, the album fused funk, rock, pop, dance, 
And um, Andrew Ferris, the guy, the main songwriter, also said that he wanted the songs not to sound contemporary, but he wanted the songs to sound more like the future. I don't know if that's the case, but for me, when I think of this album, I think of 1987 and 88. So I'm not sure if he can say that actually worked at the time. Uh, guys, any other thoughts you want to add? Like uh, that statement that he made about how he didn't want things to sound contemporary. That's kind of what I was getting at is that looking now in 2023, in 1987, we thought that this sounded like an 80s album. I think now it sounds like an album that obviously has an 80s feel to it, very strong 80s feel. But I do think there is a little bit of interesting stuff going on here that kind of, I don't know, I feel like they were a little bit ahead of the curve, which which is one of the reasons why In Excess and this album were so huge. It wasn't formulaic. It wasn't contrived. It wasn't what you were seeing and hearing everywhere. You know, it had kind of the funk guitar it had some sax it had some danceable beats it had like some tribal rhythms on songs it had it had it had like everything it checked off a lot of boxes that made it successful for the 80s and for MTV but i think listening to it now i i i do think it's kind of interesting you know it's like if you you know if you put on like fucking flock of seagulls or something <laughs> you know but what, what one of the bands that came to mind and i'm not comparing their success or anything but it's kind of like when you listen to like the police, like the police were super new wave eighties. But when you listen to them now, I don't think it sounds dated. I just think it's a very unique style of music that they created in the eighties. And it's kind of like, I kind of got that feel when I listen to NXS now it's, yep. it's, it's, it's unique, but it's from the eighties, but it's not so eighties ish. Yeah. Because they're content. They're, they're people, they're, um, Competition, may you say, you might say, is they weren't doing music like this. That's like my when point. you hear yes. the music, yeah. it puts you back into that spot. So you yeah. remember the eighties. Listen to this. I can prove the point of what you're trying to say by this. I start the episode off with the Beavis and Butthead doing "Devil Inside." Mm-hmm. Think of how weird that is. Beavis and Butthead are on the couch and they start doing like they're not supposed to like it but even mike judge is sitting there going that's a fucking killer guitar riff this is in excess and then they go on to say it's australian for this sucks or something right (laughs) (laughs) like is this satanic music (laughs) but you get the 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 difference this pop band shouldn't have a fucking crunchy guitar riff like this yep and yep. and that's the difference and that's why it sounds a little i think there were more rock in them for more than a lot of those pop bands but they had dance and pop and kind of sensibilities so yep. it worked and they yep. had the fucking i think the coolest fucking guy from the 80s as far as a lead singer as far as pop bands and things like that, though. You know what I say? You know, one, one more thing before we get into the track by track. One of the things I was listening to with this album, I was like, this is what like a really good U2 album could sound like if Bono had a personality. <laughs> He's got a personality. You just don't like it. <laughs> but no, but but what but what I'm saying is Bono comes Bono and I like U2. I know you guys don't like U2, or at least I don't think you guys like U2. I, I'm a, I like U2. I'm a fan of them. 
but I feel like they're so like they're so serious and they're so <laughs> just pretentious. I feel like Michael. I feel like this mute. A lot of these songs could have been U two type songs in this because U two checked off a lot of those boxes: yeah. rock, pop, new wave, some danceable beats every now and then. But I feel like Bono was just too much of a fucking stick in the mud. To kind of let himself go the way Michael Hutchins goes on this album. That, yeah, I just kind he, of picked that up. He's a serious musician. <laughs> he's got exactly. like Don Henley, I am fucking to be respected. <laughs> Stick up his ass. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah, I, yes. know. Yes. I know. I know. Sonny. But uh, the only other thing <clears throat> you had said, it topped out at number three. Number two that day. Yep. Dirty Dancing soundtrack. Undeniable. Oh. Undeniable. Number one that day. Oh, no. Whitney Houston. Faith, what, George oh, Michael. great fucking album, ARC baby. <laughs> but number four that day, the Mall Rat, Tiffany. Ooh, God, she's <laughs> hot. Oh yeah, she's Dude, hot. Going that for that potato nose, Debbie Gibson. She got it. I, she got it I, fixed. Did she? I think Debbie Gibson got. She's hot too. Oh, she's just <laughs> fucking Mister Potato Head. But uh, Tiffany was that redhead skank they picked Ooh, up at yeah. Orange Julius and fucking oof. Got a got a hand job behind the mall. <laughs> what do you mean behind the mall? You got a hand job in the dressing room at Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> fucking in the back of the Tom McCann store. <laughs> Ooh, baby, let's go to Walden Books and help me out here. There we go. Do now you guys we remember just, that? She's touring the malls. I'm yeah, like, yeah. She's touring the malls. But, but let's be serious, though. That's kind of brilliant. That is kind of brilliant in the 80s. Yeah. She basically went for, she's like, everybody who loves me is a teeny bopper and they're all at the mall. Let me just go to the mall. Exactly. Uh, she brilliant. was like, dirty. Like, oh. How needed. the fuck did we get up? Thanks to Sonny for giving us on a Tiffany tangent. <laughs> she was dirty. Oof. She reached. She reached. She was out riding dirty, Tom. Well, what she she reached. What she did a reach around. What? <laughs> no. So she released a new album, some sort of rock album. How do you know and this? Her, why her you, people reached out you to know us on growing up rock? No way. And wanted us to interview her, and I'm like, Steve, you have to. We, I'm like, we can do it, but the songs are not very good. So what am I supposed to say? You suck. Just be like, we'll do the interview, but you got to give me a hand job behind the mall. My friend Sonny Pony wants to get a hand job from you. Is that possible? You can do that, and we'll play your song on our station. Oh, I'd do it, fucking! I bet you she looks dirty now, right? That's eh, okay. Eh, she's a little worse for wear. Don't we all look a little dirty? We're all in our fifties. We're all come on. There's not a lot. Of- there's we have lot of faces and bodies to criticize everybody else. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of tread left on these tires. Let's be serious here. Come on. I mean, you know, for fuck's sake, we're reviewing just. Uh, well, I mean, we're at, what is this? Episode 48. I mean, sooner or later, we're going to be reviewing Tiffany albums because we're going to oh. run out of fucking good things to talk about. We should do one hit wonders like Tiffany and Potato Nose Debbie Gibson and fucking. The rest of the skanks from the 80s. Ooh, oh, the chick with the hairy armpits that did the 99 Luff Balloons. She was Ooh, hot, Na- too. Nina. Ooh, Nina. Oh, yeah. Nina. She had yeah, fucking... 
rainforest underneath those arms, though, yeah. from what I understand. She ain't taking Jane into it. There's no landscaping going on there. <laughs> no. No. None. We'll bring in Tony Basil and she can do the Mickey dance for us. <laughs> that reminds me of that Beavis and These cheerleaders are fat. <laughs> the funny thing about that is they were. <laughs> So like you, you know what you probably saw that and thought that and they just got said. <laughs> oh oh man. All, right. all right, let's get to the tracks. First track, here we go. Guns in the sky. Uh, uh, ha, 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 ha. Da, da, da. I mean, I, I'm like, what the fuck? Da, da, da. Give me da, 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 day. Da, 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 day. Hey, any day over this da, da, da bullshit. I get it. You're singing about what's happening in Reagan's Star Wars and, you know, Hutchins wants to tell his story, blah, blah, blah. But this trying to sound tough and primal and grunting and do the lyrics. Okay. Now take your hands, raise them up into the air all around you. Now bring them down like a clock at two, shake your head. You know what to do. Okay. It sounds like, let me give you some other lyrics. Let's make a flap to the left. Then a stomp to the right. You shake your tail further, put your knees together real tight. I mean, he's basically doing the chicken dance here. Like a hokey pokey. He's doing a hokey pokey. Come on. I do not need my pop bands to do these kind of songs. The chorus is boring. They're trying too hard to be angry. Easily in the running for one of the worst opening tracks on an album fucking ever. This song sucks. Well, I can't believe I'm kind of agreeing with Sonny here. Horrendous decision for an opening track. I mean, you. I mean, probably 75% of this album is is a, is a hit or at least primed to be a hit and you open with this first of all i don't understand the james brown intro <laughs> like 
And then you got about three minutes of the exact same beat. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, now I will say if, if there's anything that saves this song for me, it is that I love Michael Hutchins voice. I think his voice is great when he's, when he's howling or when he's singing, but you know, what's funny. It's ironic. Cause I just made a comment about you two. This is something like Bono would do. It's, this is wicked. Just not good. <laughs> and it's a really bad opener. It's a, it's like, it's a shockingly bad decision for an opener. Guns in the sky written by just Michael Hutchins. And I'll get into something about the writing of this afterwards. Yep. Uh, yeah. I had the same thing about the James Brown. Ugh. Getting hot in the hot tub. Um, <laughs> exactly. But I do like the guitar crunch, and that's a little bit of difference. I had the same comment as Sonny. Raise your hands, bring them down. It's just a hokey pokey. <laughs> it's like a children's song. Uh, it's supposed to be about the state of the world and the obsession with arms and all that. And the da-da-da, 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 da-da-da. He does say the word shit, and I'm like, ooh, ooh a pop band swearing. Yeah, um... I think it sounds a little grungy. It does. Uh, I can see that. I, I, I like the guitars and stuff. He says uh, guns in the sky, maybe uh, almost as many times as he says, mystify on this album. Unbelievable repeat of the course. So I always have this thing about openers and I might disagree with you guys a little. Sometimes I like an opener to be like a beginning kind of letting us know what's coming up. It doesn't have to be, Blow your brains out. And sometimes I like it. Enter Sandman. Fucking smells like Teen Spirit. Welcome to the jungle. Sometimes I get it. Then there is um like Let It Rock is a slow build from Bunch. Yeah, I love it. I love it too. But it's a slow build and it gets you into what's kind of coming. And the same thing with this. And there are other tracks that we've heard where there's like some sort of opening theme music and then they build you up and get you into it. So I don't I don't really mind this because I'm thinking. I don't want to be blown away. It's a pop album. So I don't need to be blown away with the big hit right off the top. This is a pop album. I think a hard rock album needs to have that killer track and it works more. There's a video for this. So I don't know if you guys caught it. This is one of the three videos they filmed in Prague. And you can tell with the cover, the fucking videos, these guys are Euro trash kind of, even though they're from Australia. I don't know. The the video works for me because Michael Hutchins just, you watch him and it makes me like the song more than I should because when I originally had the album, before I even saw the video, because I didn't even know there was a video for this. I didn't remember it. So when I'm reviewing the album, I, I don't have Guns in the Sky as a very highly rated song. But I like it more. It grew on me because I watched the video. He's like opening. They're walking in the like some hallways of this big fucking Czech Republic fucking building. But every time he opens like almost the door, he's got like a new outfit. And he's just strutting. And then the band is in the background doing quirky shit. And one of them has got no shirt on. He's playing the guitar. And then he just keeps opening the doors. And he just has a different outfit. And he just swagger and everything. It makes it look to me a little more badass. For a pop band, which is, you know, usually you're not considered that way. I don't, I thought the video was pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. And you're right. I mean, this wasn't like a, uh, this wasn't like a, like the the one interesting thing about this band, like they, they, 
they looked cool like for the time like in retrospect what kind of tease them about the album cover and some of the way that they're dressed in the video but when this came out they were they were like cool for the time and they kind of acted cool and in the videos the way they carry themselves they're kind of cool and michael hutchins obviously just emits coolness and sexiness so i think uh, that's another one of the, we say this we've said this before a band tailor-made for the mtv video era i mean they just capture you so yeah, it's 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 a it's it's not a video that I remember seeing or hearing repeatedly on MTV. Definitely not at all. If if if, if MTV even played it, but it's, it was cool. Yeah, if you're listening, go to YouTube, type in "Guns in the Sky" official NXS video. You will see Hutchins continue to come through the door, and the outfits for everybody keeps changing. There's a different guy with a shirt off. There's a different guy wearing the overcoat, and the video is every bit as dumb as the fucking song. <laughs> the, the grunting at the beginning, Hutchins can't sell it. The whole thing is soup to nuts. This song fucking sucks. Yeah, I like it. You're Here we go. Scrapping. All right, let's go to the next track. Okay, so we go to New Sensation. Um, this one stalled at number three. And just to let you know, number two that day, pour some sugar on me, Def Leppard. Number one that day, hold on to the Knights, Richard Marks. Yes, I said it. Suck it. Richard Marks was number one. But anyway, uh, the song. About season the day, celebrating life, optimism type song, lots of funk and groove, super danceable. Super hooky. Uh, Hutchins sounds absolutely great. Kind of weird. He says trumpet, but then a sax solo comes. All right, whatever. I like the starts and stops in the song. There's no way you can't dance to this song. And after that piece of shit guns in the sky, this is an absolute fucking pop masterpiece of the 80s. So I'm, I got a feeling Hutchins only ended up with credit on that first song because none of the Ferris brothers wanted anything to do with being attached to that fucking song. This song, there's the guitar melody is so catchy, unbelievable. Awesome song. Totally agree. Perfect pop song. Um just incredible groove, incredible vibe. I love that funky little guitar that they can they they do. Totally made for radio, totally made for MTV and it was successful for a reason. It also reminds me of 
probably watching too much TV, but it reminds me of like a like this would be like in a commercial for like Applebee's new like nachos or something like in the background, like new sensation. And it's like it, it just reminds me of like a restaurant commercial for like, hey, our new ranchero burrito or like. And then you just get this song. No, like, no, no, no. The new KY jelly with the <laughs> heat throb. Okay. That too. New sensation. That's fair. Okay. All right. Sonny's speaking from maybe some kind of experience. I'm not sure. We'll save that for a separate episode. But uh, it's a great song. Again, Hutchins, his voice can can do so many great things. And uh, I don't know. There's not much to say about this. It's a reason the song was a massive hit. Great tune. New Sensation, written by Michael, Michael Hutchins and Andrew Ferris. Yep, it went to number three about partying, lifestyle, and stuff. That funky fucking guitar is just so cool. And I actually love the drums on this. Yeah. I think the beat that he keeps and the little fills that he does, uh, especially after Imperfect Moment, dun, dun, boom, bang. There's something about this whole album that they do something with space and time pauses. And this is the first one of them. Din, 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 din. Cry baby. Like, it's fucking awesome. The way they do this throughout this whole fucking album. And they stop the song and then the, huh? And it's just so to me, he's just so fucking cool. Uh, and I just put down, does he really say, instead of CC pick up that guitar and talk to him, does he really call for trumpet? Just no. It's, no. it's, not, it's not rock and roll. No. Especially no. when there's no trumpet. No, it's just no. And then I love the theme that he keeps doing. Live, baby, live. Sleep, baby, sleep. Dream, baby, dream. Cry, baby, cry. Hate, baby, hate. Love, baby, love. That's fucking awesome. That runs throughout the he's just the lyrics and his vocal delivery. His the way he again, three straight guys here, but like the way he like his breathy delivery when he talks, and it's almost like he was and just the way he delivers each song and he stops and makes it's it's just fucking addictive. It's great. And I think it's he good. put it all together on this fucking album. This song is just, again, it's not a rock song. Like It's, it's rock that, enough. There's enough but, rock to but it. That guitar is just so fucking catchy. Yeah. This song is off the fucking charts for me. Um, and then there's the video. This is the other one filmed on a municipal house in Prague. Again, I just fucking find these guys interesting. He's got like an almost an oversized coat, his hair in a ponytail, and the way the music is going and he's dancing in the front, very Jim Morrissey kind of thing, but in the modern times. And I don't know if he's purposely doing that, but he's got the like almost like the what Axel later on. Yeah, he's does, got the Axel, the, the, the snake, dance, the slither. Yeah. And it, it seems like his cuffs are like too long. And he's holding on to his jacket. And just the whole band is like into the song. And they're all different looking. And as I said, I love that fucking drummer. He's so fucking animated. And he happens to have the biggest drumsticks I've fucking ever seen on a little pussy drummer. And they're bigger than Eric Singer. They're fucking huge. They're like tree trunks. Yeah. And, and, he, and he's just, uh, just looks so cool. They're all um uh they have the little silly slow 
special effects, new sensei that mm-hmm. each one of them does at, at one point. Oh, and he's also got the suit perfected by Robert Palmer in the eighties where he dresses up and like a lot of other guys do. Uh, do you like the head bopping by the guitarist? Do, 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 do. And he does this fucking bop into the thing in the middle of the video. Um, and they just look like they're having a ton of fun, like a fun band enjoying themselves. Yeah, oh. I think the vi- I think the video totally matches the vibe of the song. Like you said, the band's having a good time. They're all they're all animated performers. There's nobody there that seems like they don't want to be there. And of course, you got Michael Hutchins front in the thing, so it's going to be eye catching to begin with. So it it checks off your ears and your eyes when you're watching the video. Yeah, the rooftop works. The dressed in black works. You know, the Hutchins suit and tie. I mean, that shit's off the rack. This isn't a Pierce Brosnan fitted suit James Bond shit. This is <laughs> he, he went to the local store, Kmart, and bought that shit. Uh, the squiggly line things, very artsy. Makes yep. the video kind of artsy. And, you know, to me, when you watch this video and you're kind of watching what Hutchins is doing, he's a cross between Jim Morrison, Axl Rose, and Mick Jagger. Right? Yep. So whether you like... Mick Axel Morrison or or Jim Axel Jagger, whatever, right? He's kind of doing all three. And I think it's just his thing. When I saw it live, it was very similar. Like the music's just kind of flowing through him. He's a quirky guy. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. I thought the video was great. All right. Let's go to the third track. Devil Inside. All right. So this one stalled at number two. What was number one that day? The classic. Get out of my dreams. Get into my car. From what movie, Sonny? From what movie? What movie was that in? Romance in the Stone. License to Drive with Corey Haim. Wasn't that Romance in the Stone? No. Oh, is that where the going gets tough? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. License to drive Corey Hayman, a young Heather Graham. Graham. Yeah. I remember oh, that movie. okay. Yes. 
So get into my car, or Dreams get into my car, drops off. They have a shot at number one the next week. And who do they lose to? Where do broken hearts go? That's horrendous. Who's that again? <laughs> Whitney Houston, right? Terrible. Is it? Yeah. I Terrible. That's so. not good. Um, all right. The song. Solid beat. Again, guitar melody. So catchy. Another dance type song. That breathy vocal. Sexy, sultry, and evil at the same time. Dude, if that was a little bit hurly, I would have watched the video 85 times. I'm going to say I watched it 35 times as a hetero man anyway, right? Just the, dude, that guy can sell the forbidden, the what you can't get, just the the feel of the the evil of the devil. His voice just kind of sold it well without having to be evil and raspy himself, I guess. I love it that the vocal throughout the song, it feels like it's building and about to just go off, and it kind of gets restrained back to... like the breathy thing again you get a longer guitar solo which is unusual for nxs songs um it was weird that the sax player was doing the guitar solo even though they got two other guitars but whatever um i like the whole idea of it's kind of hard it's hard to believe we need a place called hell kind of given this assumption that aren't we already there like just kind of look around right great song great vibe dude that this song uh, it should have easily been a number one hit. Those two songs should not have kept it from being number one hit. Yeah, I agree. It's a great song. Um, I love like the kind of the tribal rhythm there with the riff, the great riff. We talked about that. And then when the full band kicks into gear, it's just, it's such a fucking great tune. Again, Michael Hutchins just selling all of it. Sonny, you nailed it with the breathy vocals and the powerful vocals when he needs to turn them up a little bit. Great guitar solo. Um I mean, the song was just huge for a reason. I mean, this is them again, just really putting all the pieces together for just like an undeniable pop dance kind of just, I don't know. It's a, it's just, it's a great, great tune and it's very unique. And I think the the good thing about this, you know, 35 plus years later, the song still kind of is, is catchy and you still want to listen to it. And, it. and it's not like you don't feel like you're listening to something from the eighties. It's just a, it's a really unique track. And again, Michael Hutchins is just a fucking MVP. Devil Inside, Michael Hutchins, Andrew Ferris, number two in the U.S., lyrics about the life of excess. Uh, the song actually made it to album rock playlist. That fucking guitar. <laughs> Again, like I, I'll mention the part that even Beavis and Butthead are doing it back in the fucking videos that they're talking about. And they're trying not, and they, they end up mocking them later, but it's fucking as hooky and catchy as possible. Uh, the beats almost sound like the beginning, though, like the tribal beats that you're talking about. Almost like yep. Sympathy of the Devil beginning part. And mm-hmm. the, the little differences going on there. And then comes that fucking guitar riff. And, uh, you know, it's just sexy delivery of the vocals. Breathy, I put. Uh, I love that he says kick in the song. Uh and the lyrics, words are weapons sharper than knives. That's fucking awesome. Uh, the outro, when it picks up, has the two different melodies going at the same time. So good. Fucking love that shit when that it's, happens. It's great. Uh, this is a song uh, by uh, Collective Soul, you know, the December. Oh, yeah, I love that they song. Do, they fucking do the same thing. There's like actually like four different things yep. going on on that outro at the same time. I fucking love it. Yep. Um, but... 
he also kind of does a a little bit of an axle. No, 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 no. Right. Yep. And that's the part where I think, Sonny, you're talking about refraining. He could have went into like screaming that and getting that Halford fucking vocals or something. But he keeps it like cool and calm. Like, but he's got some bass behind that voice a little bit. And then the just the dent, 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 dent. It just fucking rocks. This is the whole reason probably why I picked this fucking album. The last two songs, because they just stand out to me so much that I wanted to get to a point where we can talk about them. And then there's the video. I'm telling you, that's a fucking, I thought that was Frankie goes to Hollywood, relaxed gay video. Fucking half the guys are in the club with a fucking no shirts on. I don't know what what it looks like. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. And uh, it's just whatever. And then it looks like there's going to be some fights, some shirtless dudes. And then the the band walks through everybody and parts some Michael Jackson bad video kind of shit. But the band just looks so fucking cool. And so does he. And it's just for me, it sticks out, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm watching the video and it's funny. Like, I mean, it's not it's neither here nor there, neither right nor wrong. But I'm like. Was this band like an icon of like the gay community? Like seriously, yeah, like yeah. like uh, like, and, and if they were, that's great. Who can't? But because some I bet of you some, he was. Oh, oh, look at us! The three of us are straight as an arrow. <laughs> yeah. We can't stop talking about them. Yeah, so what yeah. the hell? But even the fucking Buddy Holly guy looked cool in yeah. this video. They did, that's the what whole I'm band looked interesting. Yes, yes, yes. They all they were all very charismatic and photogenic and looked good on video. They yeah, yeah they all did. But not like in a fucking, uh, f- like you said, flock of seagulls, no culture club, interesting way of looking at it, like, what the fuck? Um, more like, wow, that's fucking, I bet you these guys, I don't know, fashion or, or modeling, but I bet you these guys could all do it, right? And you don't know anything about them. Yeah. But I just fucking love this, love this. So on this video, there was a couple of subtle things I wanted to point it out. So, Schumacher, you know, first of all, it's supposed to be kind of like this is the hell on earth, which, you know, they're flashing all this different shit. I guess you could call it hell on earth or whatever. But if you watch the video, like with a close eye, next time you see it, yep. there's a lot of color scheme red. There's mm-hmm. a lot of black. He's wearing a gray suit with a red pocket square. Yeah, mm-hmm. the pocket like they're square. Tra- yeah, they're trying, like Schumacher was trying to make sure that the whole feel of the whole thing was like just craziness bedlam. Yep. Right? And uh, the color scheme matters to that. So I thought the video was good. Yeah, and he had the fucking devil mask on the back of his head and turned yeah. around. And we, yeah. we didn't mention the ah, 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 in the beginning that he talked Oh, I love it. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> love it. It's better Ooh. than ah, ah. Make a compilation of all of our sounds at the end of this episode. For (laughs) 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 the guns in the sky. (laughs) Oh man! All right, let's go to the even bigger track than the previous two. Yesterday, 
want Everybody does, yeah, that's okay, yeah So slide over here and give me a moment You moves are so raw I've got to let you know I've got to let you know need you tonight you know there's probably uh you know whether you want to use the work iconic or not whether you want to use the work unforgettable melodies you hear that you could tell what the song is in a couple of notes and if you don't think that dun 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 dun, dun, dun like if you don't know that's need you tonight then yep i don't know where you've been like there's no way to forget that first of all it's the number one hit it knocked out the Way You Make Me Feel by Michael Jackson. That's oh, what it knocked ooh. out out of the number one spot. I actually wow. like that song. Me too. Yeah. Uh, songs on my sexy playlist, if anybody cares. Uh, cares. I never, I never turned this song on. I have heard this song 5,000 times. And I have, I've never turned this song off. I, the bass line, that one synth keyboard note, so simple. That whole, how do you feel? I'm lonely. What do you think? Can't think at all. And then... That whole uh, Zeus was bringing it up earlier. Uh, we talked about kind of the start stop that I'm lonely, right? Like that. It's just (laughs) this song will literally live on forever. They need a soundtrack of all time will live on forever, put on Mars and people will know it. And this is going to be the song that comes from the eighties. I mean, just everybody that I know that has ever heard this song likes it. Wow, high praise from Sonny Pooney here. Yeah, I, and obviously, I'm going to 100% agree. It, it is the catchiest, sexiest <laughs> tune that I can recall ooh. from the 80s. It's like, ooh, god damn. You know why? Because I need you tonight. It, it, but but that combined, <laughs> Sonny, I had the same thing written down. And he's like, the the call and answer response. Yes. You know, like like just, it's. And when all the instruments get together, they do so many like unique things, like like the little tapping of the drumstick on the side of the yeah. drum instead of actually playing the drum, just like that. It's it's just and then the song like evolves. Like I mean, honestly, I keep talking about the time that has passed since this album came out. I mean, fucking bravo to this band that this album still sounds like this good and this catchy and this hooky because this song's fucking catchy as shit. Need You Tonight, written by Michael Hudgen, Andrew Ference. It's the first and only single that made it into uh, number one for them. 
Uh, it won MTV's Video of the Year and Video Choice by the Viewers uh, Award for 1988. That doesn't happen often that it no. won both. It's uh, VH1 top uh, number 16, top 100 songs of the 80s, and LA Weekly number five on the top 20 sexiest songs of Sonny Pooney's playlist. <laughs> um, because so I'm not sleeping. Just oh, I, I, I'll skip to that part right now because you just said that. Just that whole slide over here. Just that I've never thought that somebody slide is sexy. Like nobody can pull. Nobody can really pull that up. Like when he says no. it, you're like, "Oh, all right. If, if you want me yeah. to take my clothes off, I will." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oingo Boingo is not getting me to slide over anywhere. You don't think? But I love Dead Man's Party. You don't think it's Midnight Oil party. can do can do a sexy version of Beds of Burning? Like, <laughs> but just it makes me sweat. Oh, oh, was he sweating? Ooh. <laughs> like Don Dawkin <laughs> from two years ago? Not meat sweats. No, fat Vince Neil is out of breath. <laughs> Tom Kiefer sweat. I mean, what kind of sweat are we talking about? <laughs> Oh man. Anyways, so this the the story goes uh at one point they told them like stop doing the whatever they were trying to record. They're gonna go to Hong Kong to make the rest of the albums and come up with the demos and stuff. On the way to the airport, Andrew Ferris had this like, oh shit, I've got this idea of this song. And he had the riff. So he made the fucking cab guy go back to his hotel. And he sat and he made him run the cab back then. You know, yeah, that's for, a so like you sat there for like a half hour. Yeah, you fucking 40, wrote a song. 45 minutes. He had yeah. to find a cassette player to put it on. And then he's like, all right, let's go. And uh, he brought it back. Hutchinson said he wrote the lyrics in about 10 minutes. And it's all about intimacy. Um, they promoted the single, as we talked about on college radio, and it really paid off. It's got a lot of like Jagger, Mick Jagger to this. And throughout the album, he's got a little bit of that too, between the Matt, uh, Jim Morrison, Jagger, and all those other little fucking frontman sexiness and shit. Yep. Um, there's something about you, girl, that makes me sweat. Just <laughs> fucking put awesome. in a time capsule and put you right there in 1987 when yep. you hear this song. So, and now we get to the other part, and that is the video. Oh, God. Anybody else want to go first? Sonny. All right. So the drummer, there's one thing to tick, tick, tick on the, but the fake play the drums, that's that's a little weird. Okay. Yeah. I, know um, what you mean. I like that Michael's super sexy in the video. I love that they're using the album cover outfits. I love that the backup guys are in white shirts and Hutchins is on the stool and the spotlights go on and off as the call and answer is happening for a simple video. There's a lot of shit going on. Yep. And I must've seen the video a thousand times and I don't think I ever turned the video off. Right. So there's uh it's a great video. I know we'll talk about the other song separately, but this part of the video I think is great. Yeah. The video is iconic. It, it's just the, 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 the effects that they use, the way the band's performing, again, these guys really, really had a knack for doing all the right things, both musically and video wise and putting them together. So when you're watching these, you're just, you're, you're, it's like sensory overload. Your ears are are like just in amazement at how cool the song is. And your eyes are focusing on it too. It's just, it's another, all these videos are awesome. It's a, they're a very visually compelling band, especially with Michael Hutchins. So the one thing you notice in the video, and it's really about this band 
is all the little things happening in the song that make this song so great. And they're all simple. It's not fucking yep. this complicated thing. But it, it makes me think like this was a real band. Everybody yes. had a part. Everybody yep. had a role. Everybody was for the song. And everybody put this little thing into it. And they all stick out. So it's not like a bunch of session guys or two, three guys mainly did the music and writing and then just had everybody else play shit. Everything is perfected to make this song look good. And then there's a different part in the video. You'll notice a different guy playing part. And you're like, oh, that's the part in this song that I, I, I listened to. And now you're like, oh, I can see it because now I can visualize him playing that. And because there's so much shit going on in the song, you don't even realize it. But anyways, uh, just getting back to the, the, the video, it's like a harsh cartoon. Oh, yeah, kind of yeah, thing. yeah. And the band looking all, ooh, and Michael looking like that as well. He does the whole Chris Collinsworth slide into the, so slide. I love it. I love that. he slides in the video as yep. well. Yep. Um, and then just, he, you know, he's the whole band is just looks like they're having fun, especially the drummer. I love that fucking guy. The guy has the spanky hat on. And uh, there's just a guy with a huge fucking Yager mullet in that video, too. Yep. And uh, we'll stop there on this video. I know it continues with the other song, but we'll save that part of the video for that part of the song. So let's uh, anything else before we move on. Yep. All right. Next track. So the story goes here. They're listening to I Need You Tonight. Somebody accidentally leaves it on. They start listening to Mediate and realize 
that the songs blend well together. I think that's a great story. His music history is littered with a mistake happens and it ends up being something everybody loves uh, going on. So supposedly this thing's an homage to this whole sub uh, what is it subterranean homesick blues dude i am not yeah, a dylan stupid. fan yeah, i okay. went back and listened to that song two minutes and 21 <laughs> seconds of my life fucking wasted <laughs> song is so bad but the song is oddball there's no doubt so i've got a trivia question for you all right i will tell you that there's 89 unique words in the lyrics this but is Tom coming from the guy with... who says he doesn't have time to record on a Tuesday yeah. night, but he has time to fucking count how many times he says fucking. I didn't. I did words. it at one o'clock in the morning when I. Oh, OK. Sleep. All right. Well, that's good. OK. So, Tom, tell me how many unique words are in the lyrics that actually end with A-T-E out of the 89. I, 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 I thought I knew this. And I don't. Uh I'm going to say 45. Uh, Zeus, how about you? I would say eight. Eight? <laughs> I don't know. The number eight, and we all rotate. Yeah. So there's 40. There's oh, 40 wow. I was close, baby. I that knew. actually end with the the letters A-T-E, right? So eight doesn't count because that doesn't, that end, doesn't end in eight. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. They are. Please don't read 40 words. Activate, alleviate, oh, annihilate, God. appreciate, debate, date, deliberate, <laughs> depreciate, desegregate, designate, detonate, devastate, deviate, delate, emulate, fabricate, fascinate, fate, gravitate, hallucinate, irate, rate, radiate, plate, ornate, moderate, mediate, mate, liberate, late, Kate, recreate, reinstate, rotate, serrate, state, suffocate. Stack Bra- solo. Bravos. Bravo. Into son. an amazing sack solo. Probably one of the best sax solos of the 80s in an 80s pop song. Dude, I love this song. I love that they're together. I love that the video is together. And it's it's an oddball for sure, but I really like it. Dude, I would say, that, uh, Tom, I got to jump in. I yeah. would guess that this is would have been, if you asked me, that this would end up being a Sonny Pooney top 10 worst song of all time history that you would have guessed it. Would you say that? Like that he was going to be like waste of my time. Horrendous. No, I'll say that. Cause the only notes I have for this are stupid. Why one word for notes. Really fucking stupid. And you know what? I'm embarrassed and ashamed that I mentioned Bono earlier in this episode. Cause this is stupid, pompous shit that Bono would do. This is, <laughs> this is dumb. This is this is a total disregard for the people listening to this album. This Can is you try stupid. not to hate? Can you just love your mate? Just go suck my. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Why don't right you now go fucking... rotate? Yeah, just go fucking masturbate. Was that one of the words? No, it wasn't. It should have been. This is just... now. I will say musically, I the beat is. A... First of all, I cannot believe, and if I'm wrong, somebody can correct. I can't believe a hip hop artist has not sampled this beat. It would have been the most kick ass, kick ass rap song of the '80s or the '90s. And the sax solo is great, but the rest of it is just dumb. This this is dumb. Just appreciate. What's wrong with you? Because I, I like to hate. Love your mate. <laughs> oh. Anyways, mediate written by Andrew Ferris. It made it to number five on the U.S. Dance Club songs. But this is the one that I remember I mentioned to you, Guns in the Sky. Yeah, which is written by Michael Michael Hutchins. They each put words into each of those two songs, and they're like, ah, do I give him credit? They're like, all right, why don't we just make a deal? 
you get solo credit for that. I'll get solo credit for this. That's what they came up with. Um, the song, uh, the song just sequences right from New York, uh, Need You Tonight. And to me, I, I always put the two of them together. Everything rhymes with A-T-E, eight. Um, and uh, we we talked about the lyrics and Andrew helped him out with Guns in the Sky. So he gave him credit for this one. And they just each just said, you take that. I'll take this. Um, then the um, there's the I don't know, for me. Again, I don't need everything to be kick ass. I think this is just overall an album. There's a sequence in there where this plays a part. And this is just something different. It makes it interesting to me. I don't need to, like, I'm not at a club where I need to have the same dance music playing the whole album. This is just a nice little, diff- it's just interesting. I find it interesting. Do I like it? Do I, do, am I going to seek this out? Never. But I don't turn it off. And that's just the difference. Um, then there's the video, which is the continuation of Need You Tonight. And that's the thing where the Dylan where he's holding that Michael Hutchins starts it off with holding the signs of everything that ends with eight. And he's just flipping the cardboard. And then each member comes up and then flips a cardboard sign. And at the end, the last one I think is so cool that it just says sax solo. And then buddy Holly comes in playing a fucking clarinet or something. I don't know. I don't know if you guys noticed. So when Andrew comes in with the white jacket on, He's got his head down and he's concentrating because they, this must have been like the eighth take. Yep. And he still <laughs> fell behind. Yes. He yes. fell behind. And then Tim comes in early and starts throwing cards to catch <laughs> up. Yep. And then they had to slow him down because he went too fast. That That is kind of that. I, I actually remember that part of the video from when this video was on. I'm like, these guys can't get the fucking timing right with their card flipping. It's like, Everybody's so relaxed. Yep. And then you, yep. Andrew comes in, he's got his head down. He's all serious. Trying to yep. throw cards and he fell behind. Yep. Yeah. One Boy. of the other things I wanted to add was that it was the engineer David Nichols that heard the both songs and was like, one was bleeding into the other, and he he was the one who came up and was like, I thought they synced so perfectly, and he's like, I thought, and he labeled them as the same track when he first heard it. Anyways, lyrically, it's about fucking apartheid and fucking stupid shit going on in the eighties and how uh, everything works. And so in the video, there's a part where they talk about the date and the date on there is August 9th, 1945, which is the day of the atomic bomb and the fa- the fat man dropped in Nagasaki, which yep. I think was interesting that they incorporated that into the actual video as well. All right. Let's go to the next one.
the loved one. All right. So when I had shared that I haven't heard this song, uh, this album front to back in a while, I had. So when this came on, I'm like, wait a second. Isn't that the musical melody to batter the bone? Did George Thorogood like rip this off? So I'm like, okay, whatever. So then come to find out it's a cover of a cover that NXS had already done like six years earlier. If you, I went back and listened to the original. Oh. Michael's voice got a oh. lot better. Oh. <laughs> you so, shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that helps. I would tell you this song is not very good. And I get it that, you know, Hutchins is trying to be Mick Jagger here. They did it because it was one of the most popular songs in Australian music history. But the song was super meant to me. So I'm like, why would they do this song? But I'm sitting in Cincinnati, Ohio, wondering that. You know, I guess if, you know, Katy Perry went and did Rockwell, I always feel like somebody, some people in Australia would be wondering, why the fuck would anybody do that song and not know that was one of the most popular songs of the 80s, right? So yep. I guess it kind of is what it is, but the song is not good. It was, it wasn't white limo unlistenable. But it was borderline white limo unlistenable, and it was worse in 81. Yeah, this is not a good song. This is kind of a thud. This is kind of a thud with the with here. I mean, even the chorus is weird when he's like, oh, baby, I love you. So I need you. It's like it, it back. It does, yeah, it just doesn't really. I mean, for lack of a for better analysis it's just it's kind of a mess like i know it's a cover so they're taking the source material and doing what they can with it but it's it's just michael hutchins can't even save this that this this is kind of a tough a tough one to get through the loved one written by ian klein jerry humphreys and rob lovett so the song was by a band called the loved ones yeah with an s singing the loved one in 1966 and you get that vibe. So yes, the vibe oh, that totally. I get from this is Gloria. You know, that cover version that oh, okay. Fuck and the Doors do? Yeah, but that's a great song. I know. But that's about Laura Branigan's Gloria? No. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> G-L-O-R-I-A, Gloria. Oh, good Lord. G-L-O-R-I-A. It's a great song. The Laura Branigan song's way better. <laughs> what is the matter with you? You were my queen, and I was your fool, riding home after school. Oh, well, stick I, stick to the shitty oh, song we're covering right oh, now. Song rocks. <laughs> I wonder how we can get that song onto this, but that's on a fucking Live Doors album. Fuck. Anyways, um, the In Excess recorded this twice. I don't know. They're like, we got to make this a hit again. A second it's not going to work. Stop yeah. it. <laughs> it was a standalone single in 1981. And then they put it on a compilation called Incisive. I don't know. In Excessive. Uh, the arrangement changed totally. There's a video for the original version. I thought it wasn't them. I'm like, holy fuck. That is them. Michael yep. Hutchins looks completely different. The, the song sounds very different. It's brutal. Um, I don't mind the chorus. I like it. It's very kind of 60-ish. It is what it is. I don't yeah. I, I it's okay. I don't have a problem with it. Um, but let's go to the next one. Take one step. Out the dog. Look around. A whole lot more. In the distance 
decisions. It's what we do. It's what we do. Wildlife, do 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 do. Uh, songs about being free because it's what we do. It's what we do. I say it's what we do. I, I want to, I'm gonna label Hutchins as Falkhorn Leghorn, I think, because he's pretty close too. Um, dominated by keyboards. I hadn't heard the song in a while. There's a reason it wasn't a single, it's just yeah. not as dynamic or as catchy as a new sensation of devil inside. It's not bad. It just would never really make a playlist for me. Then that whole weird drum thing and the whistle at the end, completely unnecessary. Like it just makes a boring song weird. And then you hear it a little bit in all the other songs, but I really hear it here where Hutchins basically sounds dead on Mick Jagger. Like when he says, I got to learn some respect. That's what I have. What I have for you. He's dead on Mick right there. So, um, get it dead on. Is that too soon? Nice. Uh, I was wondering. Yeah, we uh, haven't covered that yet. <laughs> I didn't think we would, but maybe we should, but we won't. I don't want to. No, no. Sonny can't stop laughing right now. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's been forever. Jesus, when is it not too soon? Oh. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. So, I mean, I don't, I don't mind this. It's, this song is weird because there's something missing from it. Like it melody. N- yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think that. So, so it's kind of hooky. It's kind of catchy. There's some stuff going on, but the, like, I don't know. I can't, I can't put my finger on it. Maybe that is, maybe there's no melody. You're right. There is There's something where I'm like, if you added this, the song could have been really good because it feels like he's kind of like talking throughout the song, like not really the vocals are kind of loosely spaced out a little bit. And it feels like he's like waiting to like kind of burst out with the vocals and it just doesn't really come around. But sonically, there's a this is like one of those good like headphone songs, I like to call them, where there's a lot of stuff going on instrumentation wise, percussion wise in the background. But yeah, I felt every time I listen to this, I'm like, maybe it'll get better now. It just and it just doesn't. It's not bad. It's just it's it's just kind of musically I like it. I just wish Michael was doing more stuff vocally with it. Wildlife by Michael Hutchin, Andrew Ferris. This is very popish. Yeah, wicked. It's like a pop song. This is the kind of stuff sometimes when I listen to REM albums that I'm like, God, I, I like I'm trying to like this. I just fucking cannot. Yep. And, and it's the same thing here. Like. I like Michael Hutchinson's voice. It's songs. It's not bad, but I wouldn't ever go like, oh, I need to hear wildlife. Right. It's just not there. Uh, when he sings, that's what we do. That's what we do. Foghorn Leghorn style, as Tom says, as Sonny says, excuse me. Uh, and he goes back to that's what you need. That's what you need. I think it's hearkening back to that. Uh, it's song. I mean, it kind of grew on me. It was the least familiar song. I didn't really remember it much when I got back into the album to listen to this. And there's a pause again. 
at 215, 216. And just the same common theme. Overall, ah, okay, I guess. Yeah. So let's go to the next one. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you. I love your precious heart. I I was standing. You were there. Two worlds collided. And they Never tear us apart. Got to number seven. Here's the six it couldn't oh. beat. The, these these six songs are goddamn classics. Oh God. Six. One moment in time by Whitney Houston. Everybody Terrible song. Five. Bad medicine. Bon Jovi. Good song. Four. The locomotion. Kylie Minogue. Painful. She actually, she's she's hot. She, but dated, that's... she dated Hudgens. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, three. Groovy kind of love. Phil Collins. It's actually not a bad ballad. Two wild, wild west. The Escape Club. Wild, absolutely wild horrendous song. Yes. And number one on the day, Never Terrace Park conked out at seven. Kokomo Beach Boys. Oh, and an absolute dark day in music history when that song was released. <laughs> just, just an absolutely horrendous. Just. Um, it's the hair metal stage of a classic American yeah, band. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh, brutal. Uh, Tom had mentioned U2. This is where I kind of got the U2. I'm like, God, I really hate U2. And this is the best U2 song pretty much ever. Um, if if the rest of U2 sounded like this, I'd actually enjoy it. It's you know, it's just got that kind of like jazz, rock, pop, waltz mix, very well written. Love to build and stop and build again throughout the song. Uh, Hutchins, uh, kind of like soulful vocal, especially when he kind of goes off on the don't know why. I, 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 great solo, great backing vocals in the last courses. I thought it was a good idea. And then, so it's a great song. It's written well. 
And then you mix that in with, I am always fascinated by the stories of love that you could buy all these people flowers and presents and woo after people. And when you actually fall in love with somebody, it just fucking happens. There's nothing that like makes you think it's going to happen. You don't know it's going to happen the minute before it happens, but somehow it just happens. Dude, you mix all that up. Great song. I, I, this, I get it. It's slower. I get it. It's not rocking, but it deserved to be number one. Cause those other six songs are not better. This is in my opinion, one of the great ballads of the, of the era. I mean, just an absolutely spectacularly arranged song. His vocals are, are amazing. The lyrics, when the band kicks in, when he says we could live for a thousand years, but if I hurt you, I'd make wine from your tears. It's like, oh, it's just, it's so, and the way that he delivers those, those words, this is, I I have always loved this song and I hadn't heard it in forever. Uh, We'll, you know, we'll get to the video, but I, I just really think this is a standout track. The sax solo is amazing. I found myself laughing. I was, went for a run the other day and this came on. And I'm I'm like the saxophone solo. This sounds like something. What does this remind me of? Do you remember the episode of Seinfeld where Elaine is dating the guy who writes the hot and heavy <laughs> saxophone song? And at the end, <laughs> and at the end, he forgets how to play because of well, watch the episode. I'm like, oh, this is a hot and heavy solo right here. And then, like Sonny, you you mentioned the the backing vocals that are kind of overlaying what Michael is singing. It's just, it's a, it's a great song. It's a, it's a, just a beautiful ballad. Uh, Never tears apart. Michael Hutchins, Andrew Ferris, the fourth single number seven in us 282 on Rolling Stones, top 500 songs of all time. It says it's a combination of Viennese waltz synth with dramatic pauses. There's the pause again, but it was originally meant for the piano like a Fats Domino type of song. And then the producer wanted to add the strings and the synth, and it kind of changed everything. Two, a song about two people trying to form an unending bond. Um, after the first pause, den, 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 den. There's like that surfer guitar. Makes me think of the, the, the surfer guitar music from Pulp Fiction. Uh, just the lyrics. And the vocal delivery makes this work. If other people couldn't have sing it the same way. Just we can live for that. Like just the way he does it. it. It's just so unique. You can't explain it. It's like some just simple thing, but it's just, he knows what he's fucking doing. No, you're right. If th- this song could have been totally mangled, if it got in the wrong hands, yeah. this could have been really syrupy and sappy and shitty. If, if the wrong person was singing it. And then just think about the, you were there. Yep. Worlds colliding. Like, just, yep. he knew how to hit it. He didn't have to fucking show off and hit a vocal. Like, he just, his delivery is just so unique and so fucking awesome and very 80s sax solo. And then the last chorus with all the call and answer and the back and forth of the band and him. Um, and then you start noticing when the song ends, I'm like, oh, it's a ballad. What's this? Four minutes and 54 seconds. I'm like, it's fucking three minutes. And I look back. I'm like, all these songs are like three minutes. Pony's going to be in fucking heaven because there is no <laughs> like six minute song here. It's just all nice and quick. Three minutes in and out. Do your business. Video. Another one in Prague. 
the guy, you know, he's singing, walking around. They're all like wintered up. Um, I love videos like that where like with a with an emotional ballad, you can you can feel the cold. You yeah. can see like they're like the jackets, the background. You can you can feel like the loneliness. The or, string like, the section se- is playing yeah. near the river. Oh, like fucking, fucking great video. I like, love it. In Prague and this Eastern European village yep. and all these people walking around and the ancient fucking, you know, city. And they're all on these buildings and castles, you know, from yep. God knows what century. It's just it's beautiful. Yeah, because when you hear the, you know, a city called Prague. Doesn't exactly sound like a place you want a vacation to, right? No, it sounds like a scene in fucking hostel. Right, right. So (laughs) to see it the way you see it in the video is beautiful. What's interesting is the song's a bit sappy. It's a love song. It's done well. It's sold well. The beautiful landscapes of Prague, the violins all work. But then when he's walking, why does he keep looking back? That's weird. He's yeah, wondering he, where he, he's wondering where his woman is. Yeah, I'm saying like, never tear us like, apart. Where the fuck still, are you? You're still following like me, right? You're still it's following like that me, scene right? in Naked Gun where fucking Frank uh, Frank is just talking to himself. And where am I? He's like in fucking Chinatown or something. Like, after he looks around, he's yeah, like, what the fuck? <laughs> but also, I'm sure the fucking people from that area love the fact that they had Buddy Holly do a sax solo in a fucking graveyard. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, great yeah. solo. Oh yeah, great song. All right, guys, let's move on. Oh, fails and mistakes. Streets are blue Almond looks That chill divine A sun silken moment Goes on forever And we're leaving broken hearts Behind You mystify Mystify. So, you know, we live with these albums for a month or so, and, you know, we're listening to them kind of over and over. And yesterday, Nicole and I, we were out for about eight and a half hours. We went to Yellow Springs, went to lunch, went to Walmart. What's Yellow Target. Springs? Yellow Springs is where Dave Chappelle lives. It's right around the corner here. Oh, it's a city. Yeah, yeah, it's a city. Yellow Springs? Yeah. Was it yeah. piss? Yes. No. <laughs> Chappelle lives in piss. I'm going to piss on you. I got fucking drip, drip, drip. Yeah. Yeah. 
So we're out eight and a half hours, and you know how a song gets in your head and you're humming it all goddamn day? Yes. All goddamn day. Mystify, mystify me. All goddamn day. (laughs) Right? I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And we were listening to Hailstorm on the way there and back, and I I kept humming fucking mystify. Um, Song has hints of the new wave that they were originally. That finger snaps. That earworm, I love, I love it. I love that the second verse gets a little bit bigger. There's all kinds of musical earworms in this song. The guitars are doing all kinds of stuff if you actually pay attention. But for all the things that people love about the fucking dream theaters and the rushes and all that complicated <laughs> bullshit, dude, just a simple melody with a great singer and a few finger snaps. <laughs> can get in your head and fucking swim there all day. What a well-written song. Mm, the finger snapping is terrible. <laughs> I love it. It's just this way. It's a little bit too like West side story. Like, look at me. Like, <laughs> like it's a little bit, it's a little you're bit doing, too, you're doing a fucking wrist flick too. It's a little too fucking like, uh, no, and and then when the song kicks into gear, it's it's so it's not a weird song. Excuse me, it's not a bad song. It actually reminds me of of stuff that like Elton John was doing in the eighties when the song when the full band kicks into gear. Which I'm not a really big fan of eighties Elton John. Early early eighties, eighty eighty one maybe, but like as the eighties went on, I was like ah. Um, but anyway, the, the song's a little too. I don't know. And he says mystify way too many times, but it's got some earworms. I'll give you that. It's got some definitely musical earworms, but it's not, it's not one of my go-tos on the album. Mystify written by Michael Hutchins, Andrew Ferris. It's the fifth single made it to number seven on 17 on album rock tracks. Um, I, I like the funky piano, obviously the, the vocals, the piano is very 14 years. If you, um, yes, the the chorus with the breaks, then the finger snapping, mystify saying about a thousand times, uh, the little guitar fills that come in halfway through the song. I like it. I always like when I went back, I'm like, I always knew this song. I'm like, I don't remember it really as a single, but catchy is all fucking hell. And I think it works. And I think it works even better because of the video. So the video is black and white. They start by watching how the songwriting process goes with Michael Hutchins and Andrew Ferris and they're playing never tear us apart love on the piano. And he's like, and then they start doing this song and there, as there's, it's almost like a fucking, I don't know, like a Broadway player, jazz fucking guy. And they're like improvising. What comes next? Chorus. Okay. Chorus. And they start saying, it's fucking amazing to watch this. And then boom, they go right into the band comes in and starts playing. Reminds me a little bit of Born to Be My Baby by Bon Jovi, the video where they start showing each member playing their part of the song and building a song together. And then, boom, again, they go right now. Now they're live and they're playing this song live in front of a huge audience and crowd and stuff. Fucking video is awesome. And I didn't yeah. even know it existed. Don't yeah, I mean, me I love the video. That intro part of them doing the songwriting and the singing right at the piano and then how it kicks into this song. Really, really cool. Uh, it's definitely a cool video. Yeah, the black and white. And then yep. when they go to the concert, eventually yep. he's got that bright red 80s jacket on. I love yep. it. Yep. Yeah, it was a good idea to start writing session, 
go to the recording studio, then go to live, then come back to the writing session. And it's like, here's how this progresses in our life. But this is kind of where it starts at the beginning. Great idea. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's go get kicked in the teeth. First 10 seconds, you think you're about to get Let's Go Crazy, right? Go back and listen to 10 seconds. Uh, the whole sometimes you kick, sometimes you get kicked. I get it. It's simple. It's not Edgar Allan Poe poetry, but it's effective. You know, feel-good song, very Motown, nice horns, like the energy. They started some gigs with this song during that tour. Um, I, I was listening, you know, we've listened to it over and over and over. The last time I heard it, I'm like, God, this would be like a great duet. Like if if he's saying this with somebody like a Pat Benatar that really had like a gritty female vocal and they switched off verses and switched off part of the courses or came together on the courses, it would make a great duet re-release later on in life. Um, it's okay. It wasn't one of my favorite songs on there, but it's simple and it's effective. Oh, for me, this song crushes. Oh my god. I I I fucking I hadn't heard this song in forever because it wasn't it wasn't one of the big standout singles. The beginning of the song when Hutchins just starts screaming, "Come on, come on!" and then it, oh, it, it's, I'm just like I'm ready to go. And then the song shift gears and it gets like you said it, Sonny, very Motown with that bass line and the vibe and the groove. Wicked Carlton dance that song right here, like wicked. Like as soon as that bass line kicks in, this is the Carlton dance. And you got the little mini sax solos in and out throughout the song. The chorus is all. I love his voice when he's saying, you know, sometimes you kick, sometimes you get kicked. I think this is a really kick-ass song, and it really showcases what the band can do, and especially what his vocals can do. Kick, written by Michael Hutchins and Andrew Ferris. I love the fucky, fucky. I love the funky <laughs> bass instruments. Uh, I love the concept. Sometimes you kick, sometimes you get kicked. It's like that. Oh, I don't know if you know. It's a, a song by Mary Chapin Carpenter. Sometimes you're the bug. Sometimes you're the windshield. Fucking very similar themes. Uh, there's a. I'm like, man. There's a lot of sax here, but it's fun lyrics. It's a fun song, and it's catchy as all hell. Chorus again. So 
this is the kind of stuff that when you think of like, oh, a pop band, like, oh, they just kind of have a bunch of filler tracks in the middle. Like, this isn't it. That's why I like this album so much. Like, this is inside the album. You wouldn't even think about this. Now, there's a fine line between throwing a kick in here and then throwing a wild life in here. As And that's what I get the difference between, the like, a pop kind of band in the 80s with filler tracks, you're like, ah, oh, dude, are we really doing an album by this? Half the songs aren't here. No, this is fucking awesome. And Kick is a great find, and I hope people will like it. Uh, let's go to the next track. Calling all nations, you know, you got to have the obligatory "Can't we all just get along?" song. Uh, I thought the music was good. I thought the song melody was a little boring. Kind of has the same feel of new sensation. It's just not as good. And you know, I, I kind of like that Tim Ferriss gets to show, show off the guitar skills a little bit, so that's kind of cool. But is Hutchins rapping, dude? Was he rapping in this song? Because that was not good. Sonny, my notes are almost the exact same. Musically, I think this is one of the strongest songs on the album from a musical composition perspective. And then Michael starts singing. I'm like, what what is happening right now? Why are you ruining this song? This is not good. And then there's barely a chorus. And it's when it gets back to what the verses are, you're right. I'm like, no, you have such a great voice. Use it. Don't not. I was so bummed out because uh, this, again, this is another song I hadn't heard in a really long time. I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, this song has got a really nice groove to it. And then I'm like, oh, you just kind of pissed all over it with these, with this, this, this vocal stylings. I just, I just don't like, and it kind of sank the song for me. Calling all nations, Michael Hutchins, Andrew Ferris. Uh, again, another very poppy song. And it stands out for me like wildlife stands out. Almost Duran Duran, the double end of the vocals, the gang vocals, whatever the fuck is going on there. It sounds like, <laughs> I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but I love it. It's one of my favorite, comp, uh, those save people type songs that came out in the 80s, Sun oh, City. Yo, oh, oh, God. Oh, Lord. That's oh, you're talking that. about all the shit that saved the farms and save Africa and save ah, the planet. Ain't gonna play some city. Yeah. And yep. then they start singing out some of the lyrics. And if you yeah. tell me that this doesn't fit in calling all nations, remember relocation to phony homelands, separation of families. I can't. Oh, you, I can picture who's singing. Yeah. That's the midnight oil guy. 
And then they got the fucking Temptations guy singing, 23 million can't vote because they're black. And then what? (laughs) That's a great lyric. And then Bono or Ann, both Bruce Springsteen sing this part where they both come in and said, we're stabbing our brothers and sisters in the back. Let me tell you, say, ah. It's nice to see that white guilt existed back in the 80s, too. Fucking idiots. Ain't going to play Sun City. That's another one. We need to put on the miscellaneous. We need to review. We need to get a 10-song list of miscellaneous songs that we're going to review as an album. Tiffany. (laughs) Debbie Gibson. Sun Sun City. City. I want to do. Uh, I want to break. I want to break down. We are the world and the video. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking maybe we could have Patreon pick the ten songs, but then I figured it. Oh, oh no! Fucking fuck no! 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 Fucking no! Because no, then they'll be picking the song from the fucking Grave Diggers fucking Napalm live album death, or something. Fucking... Yeah. I don't need municipal waste fucking live at Budokan or whatever. No, <laughs> live in my neighbor's basement. <laughs> oh God! All right. Anyways, uh, the song is just—you uh, know—I think it's one of the filler tracks on here. Don't really like it. Yeah, and it's kind of—you're right. It, rap, fucking pop. I don't know what the fuck it is. Let's go to the last track. Tiny Daggers. All right. So Zeus alluded to it earlier. Andrew Ferris has said when it came to write and record the next record, band set up to make, you know, uh, didn't want to share any music formula with other hits of the time. Uh, Andrew had said, anyone can write a song that sounds contemporary. We wanted our songs to sound like the future. And then you fucking rewrite Young Turks. You fucking liar. (gasps) What? Okay. Because it's the same melody. I'm sorry. All right, so very 80s movie soundtrack sounding. You can hear it. Tiny Daggers playing a fucking montage of some shit. And I get it. It's about a woman that doesn't like you anymore because you ripped off Young Turks. That's why. The, the song's okay. It just, I'm, I'm ups, uh, not upset. I'm disappointed that the song didn't end with a new sensation or a devil inside or something really banging. This song is just, ugh. and Young Turks is 100 times better. See, this is why I love these episodes. I'm going to fucking rain all over everyone's parade right here. I fucking love this song. I think this album ends on such a fucking banger. It's wicked new wave 80s, but it's got Michael Hutchins doing the vocals, so he rescues it from being... It's got the cool beat, but the thing that I love about this 
is the the overlay of the vocals. So when the song starts off, he says, ever stop to wonder, I should not question, move a stone, look under, I should not judge. For some reason, that's like such a, we, we always talk about earworms. I think that's such an awesome earworm. And then the chorus is so cool. I think that, I just think the chorus is so cool. Uh, this, to me, this song, I was like, I haven't heard this song in probably 35 years. And I think it's fucking fantastic. I think those lyrics were in Ice Ice Baby, by the way. Just the way you said them, too. I love Ice Ice Baby. We're doing To the Extreme next month on ARC. Throw that in the mix. I'm doing, well, I want to, well, we're doing Informer by Snow. Ice Informer. Ice Baby. I, I love Informer. I'm sure you do. I lick your, your bum bum now. now. I always used to say I lick your bum bum now. Exactly. <laughs> um, wow, we're all I need daggers. Place. Written by Michael Hutchins, Andrew Ferris. I am on Tom's side. Fucking great, catchy song. And you know what you were saying? I almost jumped in when you're saying the beginning. Ever stop to want? Everything is hiccuping. Like he's putting. I love it. It's just like those are the little things you catch. And it. Oh, my God. And it's not Young Turks. It's head over heels. You're thinking of by the Go Go's. No, it's no that's Listen a great again. song too. Go Go's add that to the list. Yeah, that's the song that I think this covers. He- head over heels. Um, but anyways, the hiccuping vocals, the delivery, fun, fun, fucking song. And um, who put those? And I wanted to put this in because I figured you'd shit all over this album. And my last lasting thought was like. By the way, he says kick in the song again. My lasting song was like, Sonny, what is wrong with you? Who put those tiny daggers in your heart? It makes you so hateful to music and fun. <laughs> Who put those tiny daggers in your heart, Sonny Pooney? Who did that? The I'm Bullet sorry. Boys did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. Bang, 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 bang. I think it was Rage Against the Machine that actually. Oh, okay. All right. All right. You can blame me for that then. That's fine. Okay. But anyways, great way to end the album. So. Yep. Yep. Anyway, uh, final lasting thoughts. I'll I'll start this one off. Again, this I think stands out for them as just their quintessential album where all the pieces came together. It's one of those pop type albums that isn't just, oh yeah, I'll buy it because it's got four or five singles that I know and are big hits, and the rest is gonna be filler. There's not a lot of filler. Even the songs that you might call filler, the last couple of them, they're okay. You don't need to fucking hit the fast forward button. Now, some of you may not like the beginning part. I like it. Watch the video. It'll make you like the song more. I think I love the album. I just think it's different. And I think we needed to fucking hit an era of and a type of music that that's just fucking fun. We didn't touch on it. Let's touch on it a little bit now. The loss of Michael Hutchins is fucking tragic. And if anything, it makes me hate fucking Bob Geldof even more because he's a piece of fucking shit. And uh, if you read the background story about what happened and all that other stuff, and I think he's fucking partly responsible for this guy's untimely death and he can go fuck himself. Fucking piece of shit. Anyways, that's my thoughts. Nice. Yeah, so for me, uh, again, I, I I hadn't listened to NXS in forever. Like, I, I don't remember when. Like, I mean, for all I know, it could have been high school. So when Zeus picked the album, I was like, all right, cool. I remember loving this album. Let's go back. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. 
this is why I'm glad we have a month in between episodes. Because when I first started listening to this, I was like, ooh, this. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was da, like, da, da. don't like it. I, I da, was da, like, da, da, da. <laughs> I'm like, this, this is, this did not age well. Like, wow, this is like, and, and I kept listening. I was like, okay, wait, my brain is kind of getting recalibrated to, um, to, to, to the mute, to the music. And I'll be honest with you, for the first half of October, this was literally one of the first ARC albums where I wasn't seeking. I'm like, I, I, I don't want to listen to this. I, I'll, I'll have to like for a final exam in college. I'll, 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 I'll cram at the end. I'm like, I, because I truly, honest to God, I wasn't enjoying listening to the album. I just wasn't. But as I kept listening to it, I kept getting myself slowly back into it to the point that when it reached time for when we scheduled the recording, I'm like, I'm fucking all in on this album. It took me like almost a month to get my brain wired back again to like understand and accept how great this album was. And again, we've said it for the entire episode. Michael Hutchins, MVP of this fucking album. You you give this song these songs to somebody else in that era, and they could have just mangled them, made them disposable pop crap. But I think his passion, his charisma his ability to just really carry the weight of the words i just think makes the album that much better so i'm glad we did it uh my final thoughts you know come on there's four top 10 hits on the album like there's a reason the album was nearly diamond hutchins was perfect for 80s perfect for mtv perfect rock star he's you know um from australia instead of american so he's gonna land like it's these songs got a lot of hooks. A lot of them, if you would have told me Prince had a hand in writing half these songs, I would have believed you, yep. right? It's got it's got all that stuff to it. You heard them say like they were trying to write songs like singles. My guess is they were listening to a lot of what was hitting in the top 40, and they kind of did their versions of the songs, which is good. And I'll kind of leave it here for the listeners, right? No reason to be irate. Don't hate. Don't debate. Just appreciate and activate yourself to go giving this album a listen. How do you like that? Totally. Love it. All right. So what we do next is we rank the songs. Um, I, my album, I guess I'll go first. Number 12, wild life. Wow. Um, I'll go next. Oh, this is easy. Mediate. That's a Wow. My number 12 is da-da-da-da-da-da-day-da-da-day. Hey, no, uh, Guns in the Sky. Okay. All right. Number 11. Worst opener of history. God. (laughs) Number 11, Calling All Nations. Number 11 for me, The Loved Ones. Uh, Number 11 for me is I'll take the S off because it's just The Loved One by The Loved Ones. Remember? You know what? I'll add the S to you because you suck. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) (laughs) all right on that note uh number 10 guns in the sky uh number 10 for me wildlife 10 for me is calling all nations number nine mediate uh number nine guns in the sky (laughs) (laughs) get hot in the hot tub get hot (laughs) number nine for me was wildlife uh number eight for me the loved one Number eight for me, Mystify. Wow. Uh, number eight for me was Sometimes You Kick 
and sometimes you get kicked. You guys are not going to like my list, but that's why I love. That's why I love this show. Yeah, at this point now, everything is fucking. The next few, I could have moved them around. Uh, number seven for me is mystified. Number seven for me is calling all nations. Seven for me are the tiny daggers in my heart. Oh, you terrible person. Six kick. Six. New sensation. <gasps> what? Yeah, my I, I, my list gets kind of. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, six for me is mediate. Try not to hate. Love your mate. Appreciate. That is six. Are you high? We all Dude, it's rotate. Too good. It's too okay. good. Okay. Number five. Never tear us apart. That is also my number five. My number five is mystify me. Number four. Tiny daggers. Number four. Need you tonight. Ooh. My number four is never tear us apart. Number three. Need you tonight. Number three. Devil inside. No. Number three for me is new sensation. A new sensation. All right, number two, new, new sensation. Number two, kick. Yeah. Number two for me is devil inside. Oh, that's number one for me off the charts. I never imagined in a million years that this would be my number one song, but I'm go- I'm going Tiny Daggers, number yeah! one. Yeah. Yep. Love number it. Number one for me, put it in a time capsule. It will last forever. Need you tonight. Great song. Yep. So what do we got? Oh my god! Yeah, we're all this over the place. I think with this oh one. My god, can't even believe that made the top four. All right, so number four, Tiny Daggers. Yeah, baby. Three, New Sensation. Two, Need You Tonight. One, Devil Inside. Somehow, Terrace Apart is outside the top four. Thanks to me and my Tiny Daggers in your heart. Wow. Yeah, I think we in the poll we go with the top four. Though, like the the never tear us apart goes in there instead of tiny daggers. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I I agree. All right, guys. Here comes the fun part. Album covers. Sonny, you want to go first? Sure. My album covers right now. Number five is moving pictures. Four is rage against the machine. Three, come and get it. Two, slide it in. One, peace of mind. I like this album cover. I think it's done on purpose. I think it's unique. I think it's artsy. And uh, I thought Nick Egan did a great job. So I got the uh, um, I got the album cover at number 15, right uh, above Highway to Hell, but below Appetite. All right. My top five right now for covers are number five, Moving Pictures, Rage Against the Machine, Blizzard of Oz, Purple Rain, and Master of Puppets. Uh, this cover is kind of cool. It's kind of iconic for the time i'm going to put this at number 16 i'm going to put it right below pearl jam 10 and right above queen's reich operation mind crime all right me five i have slided in four peace of mind appetite at three blizzard of oz at two hotel california at one uh where am i putting this i am putting this at number nine, right underneath Come and Get It and Above Pyromania. Very uh, unique and very uh, 
I don't know, iconic for me. I think it, I, I know exactly. If you put different people on a cover just like that, I'll know exactly what that is by seeing it. And that's the diff, I think, a mark of a good album cover. So, uh, that's what I got. Now let's go to the album itself. All right, so my top five right now, I got five Appetite, four Slided In, three Hailstorm, two Purple Rain, one Black Tiger. Uh, there was parts I liked about this album, parts I don't like. I've got it at 40, 17. I got it at 17. So I got it right under Trash. Yes, under Trash and above Rage Against the Machine. Wow, it ranked pretty high. Yeah. Well, dude, the some of these, I mean, you're talking about 80s pop masterpieces right yeah. in this thing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, All right. Wait, before you go on, I think that's the highest ranked non-Sunny album that he oh, has. Boy. Could be. No, I've got other non-Sunny albums, don't I? Besides Patreon picks or group picks? Yeah. Oh, Patreon picks. I forgot about the Patreon yeah. picks. All right. My top well, it's five supposed right to be now. like that. Women. I agree. That's you, why, that's why we you, pick them. Yeah, it's just the first time you've ever fucking done it. That's my oh. point. <laughs> uh, all right, my top five right now is Rage Against the Machine, Shout at the Devil, Purple Rain, Moving Pictures, Master of Puppets. Jeez, it's almost the same as my covers. Uh, um, I, look, I like this album. It's just not an album that I go to. I'm glad I revisited it and and listened to it. But you know, looking at the albums that we've reviewed so far, these are some of the great albums in my catalog, whether they're nostalgic and historic albums or albums that I listen to still today. So I feel bad ranking it this low, but it's an album that I still like. I'm, I'm, I'm kick is going to be number 30 for me. It's going to be right below slide it in and right above night songs. So, I mean, 45 albums, you know, I got it at 30, so I'll take it. It's a good album and I, I will probably go back to it. All right, for me, number five, I have Pyromania, four, Blizzard, three, Hotel, California, two, Automatic for the People, one is Purple. Where am I putting Kick? I am going to put Kick at number 22, just above. Wow, Sonny has your album ranked higher than you. Yeah. Um, Wow. Yeah, I love the album. Look is that that so that's it? So, so to me, that's fascinating because is that like one of our lowest like self picked rankings? No. no, no, you have Odyssey at 23. Yeah, Odyssey Just, was like the th- that was like the third album we ever did, or fourth album we ever did. <laughs> you picked it, so no, but but it's fu- but it's funny. We talk about this every episode. I would listen to Odyssey probably about over. 80% of what's on air. I love that album. I don't know how that got ranked so low. Same and, thing with Slide It In. But I have Detonator. I picked that at 24. Like, I'm, I sometimes I, had, I, look, I just. Look, remember ahead. I uh, randomly picked Look at the Cat Dragged In? Yeah. So That's 31. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, for me, I, some albums are interesting. They may not be your favorite, right. but you like them or you like, you yeah. want to talk about a couple songs. I agree. I definitely wanted to talk about Devil Inside, New Sensation. And yeah. it's just, this fits an era and like we hit yep. something specific. Plus, plus we've done 45 albums. So the rankings are going to be really challenging as we keep going on this. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's just some stuff in here that I'm like, 
what the fuck? How do I really have this rank? This is just ridiculous. The, I, the worst ranking I have is that I have Come and Get It ranked so high. I fucked. It's a good album, but that's not better than a lot of albums. It's a good album, but anyways. Great album. But we're 45 tr- uh, albums in. My yep. suggestion would be at 50. Oh, we we'll do, do something. We do a live cast yep. where we all pick something different. Yep. We won't make it an album. We'll do a a live cast where we'll, we'll move things around a little bit and update our our charts so. and just celebrate fifty albums. Yeah. Yep, I agree. All right, so we do this next. Sonny, what makes you rock hard? All right. So I'm going to go with a Netflix uh, a television series. So it's called Who is Aaron Carter? Have either one of you seen this yet? Is this Aaron or Aaron Carter? Aaron, E-R-I-N. Okay. Okay. No, I haven't heard of it. No. Yeah. So it's on Netflix, seven episodes. Uh, the basis of it is Aaron Carter. She's British-born school teacher. She lives in Barcelona with her husband and daughter. Something happens at a visit to a grocery store, armed robbery. She ends up killing one of the people at the armed robbery. And we come come to find out that she has a past connected to one of the people that she hurt and killed. No. That moved her to Barcelona to begin with. So it's like binge-worthy type of thing. Now, I will tell you the actors and actresses here are all no names. You probably don't know them. But the lead actress, her name is Evan Hamad. She is part Kurdish, part Swedish. So if you like a little, cre- uh, you know, a little cream, a little flavor in your coffee, right, in your women, she is hot. And it's easy to watch. And she's got the English accent, which is not bad to hear with what you're seeing on TV. And uh, I would tell you, that's seven episodes, man. They, they went blur. It was really well written, kind of like you know one of those like thriller type yeah. things. Cool, a little bit, few surprises here and there, but a very very easy watch. Cool. Uh, I'm actually going to pick an album here. Uh, we would never get to it on ARC. I mean, maybe if we get to fucking a hundred episodes, who knows? But it's a new solo album by Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses called Lighthouse, and I have been raving about this. It is. It reminds me a little bit of how when Jerry Cantrell released Brighton back in 2021, it's the sound of a guy who's kind of embracing his age, embracing his career, embracing kind of like his life. It rocks out at times. It's kind of somber at times. It's kind of melancholy at times. Sometimes it sounds like painful. Sometimes it sounds punkish and rockish, but it really, and, and it's ironic because Duff and Jerry Cantrell are best friends, and he does a song with Jerry Cantrell on this album called "I Just Don't Know." Um, it's really a, it's a really awesome album. It's it's unique, and Duff has a really interesting voice, very unique voice. Some might not like it because sometimes it sounds kind of whiny and a little bit punky, but it's called Lighthouse. It just came out not long ago, and it's Duff McKagan's uh, solo album. I highly recommend. It. It's very very cool. Cool. 
I know that you guys love the fucking shit all over so fine from Future Illusions. I don't know, not me, not me. I don't. I, I mean, it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite, but I know Sonny hates it. I'll help you. <laughs> I'll help you. <laughs> Duff needs to embrace. Nobody needs. Nobody needs or wants to listen to this shit. That <gasps> album is fucking horrible. Which I, album? I get the new one, Lighthouse. Yes, I oh, gave it a God. listen. I'm like, oh my God, this is complete shit. I love like, it. Why is Duff I love it. it? I love it. I love it. Go watch Who Is Aaron Carter, and I'll listen to Lighthouse. Oh my God, so bad. Uh, I thought he was talking about the the fucking fucked up Aaron Carter. <laughs> That's what I thought it was. I'm like, isn't that guy in in sync? Isn't he dead? No. No. Oh, okay. Okay. He was some pop guy, but I don't, I don't think he yeah, was. Yeah, brother he, his brother is in the Backstreet Boy. He's Nick, dead. Nick, yeah. Oh, okay. He's all fucked up. Like, and everybody's dead in this episode. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Mine is like, I'm thinking like, oh, shit, I forgot to do You Make Me Rock Hard. Like, what have I been doing? Like, what do I watch besides stupid, like, you know, hockey seasons here and stuff? But one thing I watch. And when I have time, just I like mindless sitcoms that I'm always that I just can put on and 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 just not think about too much and just have a couple laughs. And this was an, a TV sitcom from the 2000s. And that is Kiss fan himself. The George Lopez show. I oh, fucking no. watch that show. Are you kidding me right now? Loved it. Love it. I find his sense of humor, his mannerisms, his fucking comic delivery, the faces, the bilingual jokes that he'll throw in. And this in in the family is the characters in the show are fucking funny as hell. The fucking mom who's a mess and his relationship with his loser fat friend and he just shits on him. And there's a lot of like stuff that they hit that I'm like, I can't believe they were talking about this or saying this shit. Um during that love watching little little tidbits of going into his friend's room and he has live in the heart of the city white snake poster in the room or kiss fucking photos all over and everything there's a lot of kiss shit hidden and sprinkled in the in the show i like george lopez i find his humor he's one of my favorite comics the show is easy mindless fucking simple stuff half an hour you can watch i've seen all the seinfeld and friend stuff i saw some of this stuff back then but I didn't see the whole series. So whenever I get a chance, I want to wrap up the series and watch it all. I've been thumbing my through this thing. It's taken me a while, but I like it and I enjoy the show. And I really like his sense of humor. The George Lopez show. There you go. All right. Yeah, we went to go see him live. Nicole and I did because we used to love the Nickelodeon show, right? So we went to go see him live. Uh, What's the Nickelodeon the show? The, that first show. The first show he had. It was, on, show. It was on Nickelodeon. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. thought it was on NBC. No. Well, it might have been, or but it moved like to Nickelodeon. Okay. My bad. Right? I'm sorry. Go ahead. So we go to see him live. Yeah. We didn't get the Nickelodeon, George Lopez. Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, he's like mean spirited now. Like he's oh got some God. sort of like alcohol problem. Oh, and a lot of God. comics, he's like fighting with people, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Nicole was ready to leave. And I was like, can we just kind of hang on? And. God damn, he was damn near dice. Like I would never take Oh, really? Dice. Yeah. And wow. he was damn near dice. Wow. Dude. And it wasn't a funny dice. It yeah. was a mean he, dice. Yeah, like he's like a mean spirited guy. Guy. People are all upset with him. I don't know. And he's got like a new show now. I didn't watch. I haven't watched yeah. it and stuff. 
but Sorry. apparently like, he's got this thing that he goes around. I'm going to take care of me now. I'm going to take care of me. I mean, anytime I see a clip of him, he's always bitching about, I don't know. I took care of my kids. <laughs> I, I just love his comedy. His, his fucking Latin Kings of comedy. is probably one of the funniest fucking comedy bits I've ever seen. And his thing about like, he was having hired Mexican guys to work on his house and he leaves and he comes back and all the Mexican people are like in his pool swimming and, and he shows yeah. up. He's like, what the fuck? And he, they're like, Hey, the the guy in here, he's like, it's my fucking house. Assholes. <laughs> oh, I think he's hilarious. Anyway, uh, what we do next, give a little plug, Sonny, where can we find you? Uh, I'm easy to find. Grownuprock.com is probably the easiest place. Hit me on Twitter. I'm usually on Twitter. Um, and then Podcast Rock City every Sunday night when we get together, when we when our lives allow us to. Not wives, lives. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Tom? Yeah. And we're a shout out loudcast. If this is your first time finding us, we are regularly an all kiss podcast that drop kiss episodes every Saturday. We do the album review crew episodes once a month with Sonny, where we pick a non kiss album and spend 17 hours talking about it. Uh, but you could find us on our website at shoutoutloudcast.com or drop us an email at shoutoutloudcast at gmail.com. And we're on all the social media as well. Please follow us. Check us out. Uh, our, next album for the month of november will be our patreon pick oh. so brace yourself people oh. and then i have the month of december and i might do fucking andy williams christmas album just to piss everybody off so <laughs> hold hold on to your horses baby i love that album so do i i have it yeah that's awesome great fucking great fucking great yeah. <laughs> as takashi would say anyway we go to famous last words here comes the woman with the look in her eye. She's raised on leather with flesh on her mind. Ooh. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Nice. I told you that we could fly because we all have wings, but some of us don't know why. That's kind of like an Ace Freely lyric right there. Yeah, but Ace can't go, why? I, I, that he cannot do that. That's that's very true. I'm a great songwriter, dude. Shut the fuck up. He's insane. Paul's gonna look like an imbecile when he listens to my stuff. <laughs> Sonny Pooney, who put those tiny daggers in your heart? Who put those tiny daggers in your heart? Who put those tiny daggers in your heart? Wonderful. <laughs> REM. Tom, Sonny Pooney with the tiny daggers in his heart. Loudcasters, Kiss Army, thank you. Always a great time. Uh, good old Sunday morning talking about getting kicked. Yep. I love these guys. You're the best. Everybody out there listening, I can't wait to hear what people think about this because I think, I think this is one of those albums where people really like, but they just... Sometimes they're afraid for some strange reason to be an adult and say what they like. So, uh, oh, oh my God, it doesn't have an electric guitar and have a three fucking chord riff. I can't like it. I'm, people are going to make fun of me because it's pop oriented. It's a fucking good album. Enjoy it, people. Anyways, Sonny, Zeus, as always, great time. Love ending on a fucking miserable note. Now that Fuck <laughs> Peace out, Girl Scout. 
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.